You are listening to Zen and the Art of Triathlon. Well, hey there, all you triathlon studs and studettes. This is Coach Brett with another great episode of Zen and the Art of Triathlon. I'm leaving the house on my way to W to the ERK here, blocking the door, walking out to the car. Took a rest morning today because I've got some intervals this afternoon after, after work. And this episode is really cool. We're going to start covering how to mix in intervals successfully to make you stronger while at the same time going long on the on the weekends on your long bike ride and maybe you know some longer runs to keep an eye on your pacing and fueling so that you still know how to go long on race day it's what i like to call the sammy method named after or it's called sammy style s-a-m-i named after sammy inkinen who is pretty much the most awesome thing to happen to triathlon for time crunched triathletes and we're gonna we're gonna document how to train like him because it does work at least it worked for him and it works pretty well for a lot of people and we're going to uh yeah so he he does uh intervals but with lots of rest and if you measure everything and make sure you're getting in enough rest you might actually get faster and we're going to cover that in this podcast and also we have triathlon news and oh with tawny tawny prazax back on the show with some triathlon news and that's gosh like an hour talking shooting the bull with old tawny out there in california and then let's see oh we have kai's coaching for kids he talks about biking how to race on the bike in triathlon how to how to not wreck how to pace yourself, and uh, it's great advice for for uh, kids that are getting into the triathlon, and also for people new to the sport and general adults uh, that want to know how to do this. So, ah, good stuff. Well, let's go ahead and get started with the triathlon news. We got a lot of stuff to cover. We got all that Rev Three Pro stuff, and and uh, just in general, lots of big. <clears throat> Big things happening in the sport. St. George happening this weekend. So, Tawny and I cover all that. Let's go ahead and get started. Here we go. Sliding over to the news desk with Tawny Prazak. All right, we're here with Tawny Prazak. How's it going? It's going well. I'm actually in the process of putting on some Compex right now. So, if you hear a little bit of beeping in the background, it's because I'm in some major need of recovery right now. And I just left uh, Freebirds, of course. That's your favorite place, huh? And, and well, sometimes I get a free burrito, so it's totally worth it. Is that when you dress up like all spiffy, like you are? Right yeah, now? I was. <laughs> Tawny <laughs> asked if we were going to do video, and at first I said no because I'm on a, uh, I'm on my laptop, but I'm connected to my phone, and that data can get kind of sketchy, you know. Yeah. The, the bandwidth, and I, I was telling Tawny that um, for all y'all out there, y'all, y'all that. Uh, yeah, I'm wearing a tuxedo, you know. It's too bad you can't see it. I look sharp. Fancy, man. But we turned on video. I'm just, 
I, I am sitting in a car in Texas in the sun in the middle of the day wearing a jacket. On, and a black one at that. And a, on purpose in jeans to stay oh, hot for the heat training. Nice. I saw you tweeted something about that. You're doing like hot bike rides and stuff like that too. Well, I haven't really started that. I mean, kind of. It hasn't gotten that hot here yet, but it's it's time. It's uh, two and a half weeks out. Yeah, shouldn't you, you have started that already? No, they said um, ten days to acclimate. Okay. So I'm gonna start right. now. And Sweet. There's an old, um, not old, but months ago, uh, Talk Ultra podcast mm-hmm. interview with a lady that won the, uh, or she got second place in Costa Rica in a multi-day run race. About a marathon plus, maybe like 30 miles a day for five, six, seven days or something. Ouch. And she did heat training. She was living in the UK, and she did heat training an hour a day while working out. Was it like sauna? Like what kind of heat training was she doing? Like overdressing well, she, or going Yeah, sauna? well, she went to a facility where they, they monitor you and actually improve your oh, heat resistance. Stoked. Yeah, and so she said that she found out that they were, they were telling her and she figured out about an hour a day uh, if you're exercising in the heat. And otherwise, it's about three hours a day in the heat just sitting around. It makes a huge difference. I mean, physiologically, it has sort of the same implications as almost like doping does. Yeah, you yeah. Know? She said that. Or training in altitude. Um, by day one, she was 40 minutes ahead of everybody else. Wow. <laughs> because they were trying to heat acclimate, and she was already there. And wasn't, yeah. they were all, it's Costa Rica, you know, it was just nuts. Yeah. So. Cool. Well, thanks for having me back on already so soon. I oh, guess yeah. that went last time. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I guess it went okay. <laughs> <laughs> and man, there's like quite a bit to talk about too. I was, oh my did you see God. I was adding to our uh, little list of topics? Let me see. I had it up and now it's gone and I'll find it again. And, um, Okay. Oh, you added some stuff. Whoa. What? You did what? It was so random. Okay, so I did a bit of a training camp um, the last five days. I had one of my athletes out here, and then right. some uh, weird – spent the last two days in San Diego, and I was riding some routes that everyone talks about down there, but I've actually never ridden them, so I kind of found the way. And yesterday we were going – it's Del Dio's Highway is one of these famous oh, roads that basically yeah. goes – yeah, I used to ride my motorcycle down that, yeah. Okay, yeah. so we were going up Del Dios, about to hit one of the big climbs, and these guys turn in from a different direction, and me being like the triathlon nerd of the century, right <laughs> away, like the, he was maybe 20 yards in front, I'm like, that's Matt Reed. Like, I just totally recognize his, like, length, <laughs> I guess, long limbs, <laughs> Fuji bike, dash saddle, because I'm riding dash saddle right now, too, yeah. and I notice he is, um... Is he, is that Matty Boom Boom Reed? Yeah, Maddie Boom Boom Reed. Boom Boom. Did you go, so, hey, Boom Boom? I was like, Boom Boom. Uh, but I kind of, we caught up to him. They were just cruising because he had just gotten back from St. Anthony's and rode with him for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it was an easy day for him if I'm like hanging with him, having a little chatty <laughs> chat. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but it sounded like he had somewhat of a disappointing day at St. Anthony's. And, you know, I got to say, like, I've known him for a while. I wrote an article on him like two years ago, I think, and I met he and his wife Kelly at that point, and that's right when they had the yogurt shop going. Do you remember when he yeah, opened yeah. a frozen yogurt shop? Unfortunately, that fell through, uh. and things went crappy there, which I think that sort of played a toll on his mind a little bit. Yeah, um, but, 
Yeah, when you're trying to open a business like that and it's just not grooving. But they've since actually relocated to Encinitas. So they're living in San Diego full time now. Okay. So um, I think he's just, he's had a rough patch the last few years. And I think he just really, I mean, I don't see any signs of him wanting to give up and move on, but he just wants to get back to good racing. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm I'm in a software seminar right now, and it's got some mapping stuff in it, and they always base everything on San Diego. Every software demo I ever see, they always use really? San Diego. Yeah, and up in the right-hand corner, I can see Poway, and I'm like, I used to live in Poway. Oh, and my yeah, God. Yeah, the Del Dios Highway. I used, to, I used to live in Escondido a little bit yeah. for almost a year, trying to get closer to the coast, you know, and, uh, yeah, yeah. and I would ride down uh, Del Dios for sure. That's yeah, an epic route. We did it um, both days, actually. One day we did we did it two different directions. We did clockwise and counterclockwise uh-huh. just to kind of see how, what the differences would be. And it is a really solid ride. You know, yeah. you just it's one of those routes where you don't really get a lot of interruption with traffic lights and everything. And thankfully, I, we had had like a crazy storm here. Like they even canceled a triathlon that we were supposed to do Saturday morning, um, which rarely, rarely ever happens around right. here. So thankfully, the weather then switched, and we had nice riding conditions for a couple days. Yeah, I used to live within walking distance of Lake Hodges. Oh, so, that's yeah. yeah. That's actually where I did my first ever race. That was like where I got hooked. And my first ever race it was a 10K, and I podiumed, and I didn't even know what that meant. So I was like, what is the po- <laughs> What is podium? the podium? <laughs> is that what, what I read that? music off of? <laughs> <laughs> right so yeah no it's a fun uh, spot anyways oh the heat training is working i'm pouring in sweat now oh my uh, god it's running down my disgusting yeah it is disgusting <laughs> maybe I'm we so should win been. everything <laughs> how are you feeling like uh, going into these final couple weeks oh i'm doing way better i've cut back on the volume and doing more intervals with a little more space in between Sounds and it's right. all on this podcast I'm, it's so funny that you brought that up yeah. So, uh, okay, you ready to do, let's see, you're using 110 compression. Oh, yeah, I've used that. They, um, the, uh, they have the compression pants that you can put ice or heat packs in. Totally. Yeah. Um, I've been with them for a couple years now, and I love their stuff. And yeah. thanks, like, I almost did a thesis when I was in grad school. I almost did a thesis on compression wear for endurance athletes, but... Yeah. I kind of got impatient <laughs> and decided <laughs> to go the uh, – I took a big test instead of doing the full-on thesis, the comps. Yeah. Um, but anyways, I have a lot of education on the particular subject, and I really like 110 compression. I mean, all compression at that price line is going to be good, but yeah. 110 compression to me is really good. But I don't know the technical or like the details on this, but they're coming out with some new clothing now too. It's going to oh, be cool. not necessarily compression, but yeah. some like tech gear clothing that's supposed to be super fancy schmancy. I wish I had more details on it, but um, so keep our eyes posted. Do you know their their um, tagline on Twitter or anything? So. They're, I think they're one ten play harder. Okay, Let yeah, that sounds right. I know they were had a big presence at Boston uh, Marathon a couple weeks ago and had some stuff. I think they had some previews of the new stuff that they're going to be out having out. Yeah, it's one ten play harder. That's their handle on Twitter. Yeah. So. Well, on on my end, we'll scroll down to the very end. Uh, Sunto, which sponsors me, ah. now directly exports to Strava, and that is so cool. So I tweeted, uh, their head uh, marketing engineer guy tweeted that, that they now export directly to Strava, and I retweeted it and said, take that, Garmin, blah, ha, ha, ha. So, okay, explain <laughs> And he retweeted me- it. 
<laughs> so when you exporting directly to Strava, does that mean like you don't have to upload it to Garmin and then like upload it to Strava? Like there, right. it's just so takes Sunto out a step. Saying, uh, people are used to like Garmin Connect, right? So you upload yourself right. to Garmin. Well, Suntos is called Moves Count. So oh, yeah. there's a setting now on Moves Count. I just went and did it uh, this morning. You can turn it on. You upload your Sunto workout. You, there's a setting where it automatically sends it to Strava. You don't have to do anything. It just that is pumps awesome. it right over. Now, the reason this is really interesting, because I figure, well, everybody kind of go along with this. But I remember reading somewhere that, um, you know, people were, Garmin at one point was thinking about buying Strava and then passed them up on it. And then there was a little bit of battle over it. And Ooh. then that boat, the, the wording I said was, the wording I heard was that ship has sailed. Yeah. And so they couldn't get along. And it looks like Sunto jumped in. Smart. And, uh, yeah, hopped on that boat. And, what, uh, um, I mean, what do you like about Sunto versus Garmin? I mean, I'm, I've only really used Garmin's before. I have a Mio heart rate watch, and that's uh, the only other thing. Garmin. Oh, Sunto makes a killer, killer, um, well, they started off as a watch company. And mm-hmm. so they know how to make watches, right? Right. And so, and they do, uh, they started off as a military watch com- company, a diving watch company, and, um, and an outdoors, uh, like, navigation and military style uh, watch company. So their stuff is, Quality. like, super industrial grade. Their stuff's like um, Apple makes computers really well, mm-hmm. you know, the hardware. Well, these guys make watches really, really well. And then, um, and they make it so it just works, you know, people, and the software just works. And that sometimes, for some people, that's what they want. They want the freaking thing to just work. <laughs> and, really? Uh, you think? <laughs> yeah. And all the little features and everything like that are nice, but sometimes, sometimes you'll find some Sunto watches don't do as much, but you also, they look freaking killer. I mean, they're beautiful watches. And then um, they just tend to work and are just like bulletproof. So it just kind of depends if that's what you're that's into. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. You know, uh, Strava, and I love Strava. I, I'm, I, I don't post anything to it at this point just because I, I have enough things I need to post to. Yeah. But I use it for sure. I mean, even this past weekend when I was in San Diego, I used Strava to find the direct like routes that I needed to go, all the specific little turns and details and all that kind of stuff. It's great. Yeah. Good yeah. Stuff. Yeah. So I've just started. I've been a Strava member for a while, but I just started started posting stuff to Strava. Um, I've been out Strava hunting segments and, uh, you know, trying to KOM stuff. Yeah, I was going to say, I yeah. bet you seem like you'd be all over that. Yeah, and so <laughs> it's a pain in the ass to to uh, repost stuff, you know, to two, three places and stuff. So yeah. I was like, oh, this is really, really cool. So it's got me thinking that maybe for my uh, workout this evening, because I just turned this on, that maybe I will have to go out and see what it if you know how how well it works to automatically post. I was going to ride indoors on a trainer, like you know to to uh, get hot, but because mm-hmm. it's not that hot outside right today. So well, you should come take a quick trip to SoCal because we went from having this crazy cold storm that left snow to this week's supposed to be like in the 80s and 90s. I think. Oh, that's perfect. Fact, yeah, I'm worried my computer's going to overheat right now. Ow, my keys are hot. <laughs> Holy, I'm cooking in here. Okay. Seriously. Uh, they are. Again. The keys are so hot sitting on my dashboard. I couldn't hold them. I'm going to roll down my window just a little bit. Yeah, let your. I don't oh, want to. The computer's going to overheat. We're going to lose out. this. this, this uh, here, I'm going to save this in two parts, okay? I'm going to hit stop on the call recorder. Okay. And then we're going we're gonna to pick back up. Because that other call, we lost part of it, remember? Oh, yeah, that okay. sucked. Okay, hold on.
Okay. I'm back. Right. Back call <laughs> Save recording. frequently. Yeah. Okay. Isn't that like your biggest fear with podcasting? Well, Especially that happened have, to us like, the other day. Well, uh, yeah, but for, I mean, with it, when it's just me, it's not that big of a deal. But when you have like a big guest, you know, where it's like, a oh my gosh, guest. this is my one chance to, you know, interview so-and-so. I better not screw this up and miss the recording <laughs> like that. Yeah, I get yeah. nervous about that kind of stuff. It's totally true. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's definitely an art over time. You figure out yeah. once you start making a bunch of shows. Okay, let's see. Okay, the biggest news, Ooh, in, the, big news. in the in the world. Cray cray. <laughs> in the entire, Drama. You, you would think in the entire universe <laughs> is. In our universe. Um, Rev three has canceled the pro field starting after Knoxville, right? Yes. No more pros, and this is such a fascinating. Uh, I don't know, study on human, human perceived economics. I don't know what you would call it, but there's that thing where like, if you say that they've done studies and shown that if people, um, you say, Hey, I'll give you $2 if I, if this other person gets $2, but if you get, how does it go? If they get nothing and you get their $4, then how does that make you feel? And they're like, well, that's terrible. You know? So there's like, there's, I'm not saying it right, but there's there's economics that you would think rational people would follow, and then there's mm -hmm. economics of what really, really happens with people, and it's mm -hmm. actually a lot different, right? So the the pro purse at Rev Three was huge, right? And your chance thousand dollars, yeah, and your chance of winning was fantastic. Yeah, but when the, you have just over twenty pros entering a race, it's like hell yeah, yeah. Well, I'm signing me You've up. You've got a you chance know? of winning this thing, and but pros perceive that their sponsors and they might be might be right want them to uh compete and get hopefully you know some kind of placing which is almost impossible at an ironman brand race and so they never show up in the numbers that rev3 wants them to for pros at the um at the rev3 races and so they just cut the pro field and now they're going to give the money to the age groupers or something some of them That's are. cool because what they're the way they're doing it is that USAT has standards of how like you can't pay out age groupers up to I think five thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah, so they're going to do one dollar less than that yeah. to allow to make it legal for age groupers to get paid out. Is which that I all think the age great. groupers or per age bracket or what? I, I you know that's the same question I asked and I haven't yet to verify that. Yeah. Um, I don't know how it's going to work. I, that'd be I don't think it'd be that much money though if they were to just do it. For every age group, that you, would be. That's not right in your Iron Man's fault. <laughs> well, okay, so that's you. Here's you wrote that. <laughs> I told. I wrote. I'm. I'm making notes. Okay. So it's Sorry, Iron Man's fault, but it's also not just Iron Man's fault because yeah. what you were just saying is that Iron Man WTC is like seriously. You know, some people are calling it a monopoly on this mm. because that allure of Kona and the way the KPR you know, th that whole ranking system right. is this day and age. It makes it really tough if you're a pro. Um, I mean, you're limited in your choices of if you want to make it to Kona. you, you got to pick your races wisely. Um, right. So, you know, I think the way Ironman's changed how you qualify for Kona has a huge role in how exactly. this is all going down. Yeah. Like, it's not like it was where you just get your podium in Ironman and secure your slots. You right. know, it couldn't be further from the case for pros anymore. But that's... but. You know, people are going to be quick to jump at, at Ironman and go down their throat for all this when it's not just them either because kind of like what you were alluding to, the other thing I read um, and have been hearing among the pros is that 
Sponsors want their pros to be visible. Well, where are you most visible this day and age? The popular races, which consist of mostly the Ironman events, right. and then, of course, the world championship events, Kona being the biggest. Right. So if sponsors weren't paying bonuses for the Rev3 races like they were yeah. for Ironman. So you can't just blame Ironman. You, you got to look at the whole picture. Right, sponsors. Um, I think Rev 3's handling it very classy. It's sad because I've always enjoyed not only Rev 3 coverage, they've always had really great video yeah, coverage do. of the pro yeah. races, you know, like, and I don't know, it's not, can't always say the same about Ironman. <laughs> um, <laughs> and they've always had good fields, you know, like you get your consistent, like the Richie Cunninghams and all that, and even Miranda Carfrey, like dominating Quasi, and, you know, yeah. it's, they've, ha- they've had exciting, exciting races. So it's kind of a bummer. Um, but I think, like I said, I think they're ha- handling it in a very classy way by not getting rid of the prize purse right? and figuring out new ways to distribute it. And I'm hoping that it drives you know, some of your elite age groupers to really start to make age group racing look that much more competitive and enjoyable to watch, you know? Yeah, you know, actually, I'm kind of excited about that, you know, because maybe at a Rev 3 race, I, um, I don't know, I'd have to look at the times and stuff, you know, I wouldn't. Uh, my next goal in an Ironman race is to try to get top 10 in my age group, right? That's great. In a race. That's kind of where, you know, you try to get towards the top half, then top quarter, then maybe top 10%. And I'm in the top 10% now. And so, yeah. you know, like maybe maybe a top 10 at a race would be really cool. So at Rev 3, if I'm doing near top 10 in, in an Ironman brand race, maybe in a Rev 3, I don't know how competitive they are. But, you know, maybe I could get close to that podium. That would be really cool. Plan out your season, man. I, you know, you're probably going to see a lot man. of people thinking the same way, though. So now all of a sudden you're going to see this increase. No, in... okay, wait, never mind. Take it back. This was for everybody except for people in my age group. The 40, <laughs> we found out the 40 to 44 age group is not paying any prize money. In fact, they charge you extra. <laughs> they're taking your prize money and giving it to other. They're giving it to girls in the 18 to 20. Four age group. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I, I just want to give out so much misinformation to make so, my racing better. What do you think, though? Uh, I mean, what are your feelings on how this is reflective of just the well, sport think, and like Iron Man and stuff? The thing that hit me that I think everybody, a lot of uh, smarter people, had already figured out, but when it hit me, I was like, "Oh man!" Is Iron Man is also if they're doing this by accident, it's just pure luck, right? So they're structuring their point system so that the Ironman, to qualify for Kona, you really don't have any energy to do any other Ironmans. Mm-hmm. I mean, other uh, races, any other competitors' races, you know? So they're kind of boxing neg- them in. Yeah. I try not to think negatively in that sense, but, you know, you can't help but let your mind wander there, right? Yeah. So I don't know. Well, we talked about it last week, too, you know, with even within Ironman. Now they're trying to, like, funnel pros into certain races by, you know, obviously, like we were talking about limiting the or having no pro field at Maryland and stuff. So, yeah, Yeah. well, I say, yeah, let's pay the age groupers. See what happens. Right. I mean, we're the ones who make up the majority of the sport. Duh. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love the pros and I love following the pro races, but I am all for age group. The people that don't love the pros like totally blow my mind. I don't get it at all. I can. There's enough of them where I, it must be a thing. 
but I'm I'm just smitten with pros. I think they're the coolest thing ever. Yeah. Well, so. they they sacrifice a lot to do a job that yeah. is tough and doesn't, you know, obviously it is not paying shitloads of money. Oops. <laughs> I like keep cussing on your podcast. I need to like zip my mouth. Okay. Uh, Sorry. And they're making less now. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did you want to talk about Wildflower or St. George coming up this weekend? Oh, I didn't put that on there, did I? St. George. Where, where's St. George? So speaking of Ironman wanting their fields, their pro fields to be really stacked, I mean, uh, 70.3 yes. is the 70.3 U.S. Pro Championships in St. George. Mm-hmm. Um, also the same weekend as Wildflower and St. Croix coming up. Uh, so, you know, I think you're going to see most people heading towards St. George and less to Wildflower. Plus, from what I heard with Wildflower before we talk about St. George, this I, I haven't verified this, but I've had a couple people tell me who are actually racing mm-hmm. that the lake is so barren. It, actually, the lake doesn't even exist. Like in San, San Antonio, is not even there. Yeah. So they're moving the swim to this, like, nearby creek. But the interesting thing is they're not changing transition. So you have like over a two-mile run yeah. from the swim to T1. Yeah. And that's why I think my you buddy that? that's a pro that's a much better runner than a swimmer is like so into the race this year. <laughs> He's like, I can't wait to race it. You know? And I'm like, maybe because you're a freak runner and uh, – <laughs> This is going to help you that the swim isn't as long. So it's crazy. Yeah, I, I, that'll come and go unless you know there'll be there'll be years where you have drought conditions and not unless you know it's way worse than what we think it is environmentally. I don't know. But we don't know. This stuff's you know all the envir- all global warming and environmental conditions is so random that you don't know how much of it. And then the other thing is the the human mindset. You know, is like how much of it is real how much of it's perceived you know because weather happens in little incidents it's so hard to tell what's trending you know right we're just like kind of in our day-to-day bubble people that say that there's no global warming will point to the snowstorm that's a blizzard that's going on and go see you know and then you're like well that it's hard you know it's hard to tell that just because Lake San Antonio is is low right now that it's always going to be low and this race is ruined forever. You know, right. you, you really don't know until until we're all dead and until, yeah, until until it's been going <laughs> whatever's going on has been going on long enough where you can pick up a trend in currents in the in the right. wind and the and the rain patterns and the and the ocean currents, right? And with those, you can predict what's going to happen over you know a few years but even then we're we're seeing that that could change radically year to year right so i my all my backgrounds in environmental stuff so oh really yeah and, and so ocean currents actually dictate a lot of the weather and you get let's say you get some a rise in, in temperatures and some ice melts um and then well that creates a down current um, of the ice, the ice water sinking because it's uh, it's not as light as the uh, salt water, for example. So mm-hmm. it sinks faster and it's colder, and so it sinks, and um, that blocks a current that and changes a current heading somewhere. So that's how you, the Gulf Stream is what makes uh, Europe so um, uh, warm for its latitude. Europe should not be as warm as it is actually. And um, but the the ocean current coming off of the east coast of the United States after it goes through the Gulf of Mexico and it comes off the east coast warms 
uh, warms Europe. And because if you look at the latitude of Europe, it's as high up as Canada and like, some, mm-hmm. you know, and, and so you're like, well, why is it so warm? That's kind of odd. And so, but you get mol- melting uh, polar ice cap that blocks the the Gulf current flow to Europe, for example, maybe, who knows what's going to happen, right? All of a sudden, Europe gets like super cold, right? So global warming to them may mean colder conditions, mm-hmm. right? And it means, so all over the world, things change, like, all of a sudden it's warmer here, drier there, colder there, wetter here, you know. Well, so. I can tell you even from my experience, I mean, we've been swimming weekly in the ocean now, and it's literally like one day it'll be in the 50s, and the next day it'll be high 60s. It changes so quickly and yeah. so often. Yeah. Like this, we went out on Saturday or Friday before this, this storm hit, and it was ridiculously warm, like right. almost to the point where I don't need, I didn't even need a wetsuit. Right. And so the, the what happened, the problem with global warming, the, the, the actual problem is, because climates are always changing and stuff like that, is the misery that it causes people and, and, and life in general that things are changing too fast for us to adapt slowly. We need for things to change slowly enough where it's almost imperceivable. You know, like mm-hmm. continents moving. <laughs> it's kind of like what we're used to. Yeah. So if things move too fast, well, then you have a whole bunch of people living in one area that their whole culture is based around, I don't know, more like a wetland kind of farming, right? Well, then the whole place goes right. arid. Now you have everybody's miserable because nobody in this area knows how or has any kind of infrastructure built up to deal with the drier conditions, right? And then you have catastrophe where they start fighting with each other and then warfare and stuff like that. So the Black, black, uh, black Plague in Europe, which killed the most people of anything ever, millions and millions and millions of people, all that was was, was, uh, was global, global warming. warming. Yeah. So what happened was, do you know about this? No, but okay. I kind of had a feeling. So it's coming. Okay. So he's, uh, uh, it's carried by, Black Plague is carried by fleas. On, and those fleas are carried by rats. Well, fleas are insects. They're cold-blooded. They need warmer conditions for them to survive. So you had a temporary warming condition for a couple hundred years or whatever in Europe. The fleas on the rats moved north. People weren't used to that. And bam, wiped out millions and millions of people like that. So your biggest concern is actually bugs, like uh, germs and things like that, that move into places because they can they can repopulate so fast and mm-hmm. you can't see them so your your uh, malaria your you know whatever like moving to a new area is uh and uh viruses and things like that so don't swim in that lake i wish i could commentate <laughs> more but you brought yeah right <laughs> oh, that's what i'm saying we don't know right so so uh w- there's going to be some places where all of a sudden there's going to be a whole lot more triathlons maybe because I just think, I mean, we just had a really crappy winter here in California and who's to say that next year it's not going to be like the complete opposite where we just get hammered with rain and snow all year. You know, it's, it's, it's to me, like you're saying with trends and everything, we haven't had a trend where every single winter has been ridiculously light at this point. It's just one freak winter that we've had. Exactly. Right. So So it's, it's hard to trend when things are moving so much. Yeah. Yeah. Science. Uh, Way above my head. You brought me on for triathlon. I didn't claim to be an expert in global warming. And oh, if I can learn it, studies. anybody can. They just yelled at us in the classroom. <laughs> I wasn't even paying um, attention that much anyway. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so St. George then. Yeah. 
Stacked field. Stacked field. Jordan Rapp, uh, Angela Nath. Um, oh, Jody Swallow versus Angela Nath in a 70.3. How I about that? Yeah, Jody Swallow too. Didn't she have a bit of bad luck in her what what race was it where she I think she um was directed off course or something? Oh yeah, man. In Iron Man? Yeah, she can get really angry too. She's going to take that energy and just just oh, yeah. freaking just start demolishing people with lasers that coming out of her eyes. She is so intense, right? Yeah, totally. And Nate She's is awesome. so capable, right? So the, watching these two go at it is just going to be outrageous. Over a distance where they're both very much the best, right? You, you've talked to Angela. You're, yeah. you're kind of friends with her. What's the latest with her right now? Um, I don't know how seriously she's taking this race. She may be like all out to win it, especially because Swallow's in it. So mm. um, uh, Jody hasn't done a ton of Ironmans, and neither has Angela. And then Jody struggles in hot Ironmans. Yeah, but this is only the half. It's not a right. Fight. So this yeah. is a half, but it's a hard, very, very hard half. Yeah. So they're going to want to go out. I think. Okay. So psychologically, they're both going to want to go out and prove themselves that they really could do an Ironman if they wanted to, because they're, they're at that point in their career where they're trying to prove that they can do an Ironman. So they're going to take this half and just freaking throw it against the wall into pieces and just right. smash it, right? But the thing is, is this is not an easy half. This is like the hardest half they've got. What? So, what um, because f- Angel's got to do another full, or was Melbourne enough for her to get her counter points at this oh, point? I think she's got to do another one, yeah. And then jo- Jody, I'm sure, wants to get to Kona too. So, oh yeah. And then you got Julie Divins back in the scene, where you know she had a strong showing, not the best showing when she made her comeback at Oceanside, but she's yeah. always. I mean, and then you got Meredith Kessler, Heather Wartell, who just won mm-hmm. Oceanside. Um, Lindsay Corbin, yeah. Rebecca Key. Holy crap. Yeah, like I said, there's some guys in this race too, but I mean, who cares, right? Yeah, who cares about the guys? It's yeah. all about the girls. This, these the girls ladies. are going to freaking kill each other out there. It, it, I think it's so funny because girls act all nice but until you get them into a competitive environment. and then they, I wonder what it's like in the swim, most of all, because, you know, <laughs> they're, they're obviously classy with each other at the finish line. Oh, and I know man. these girls are super, super close but friends, but... Both Angela and Jody have... I think I've read quotes on them saying that once the gun goes off or whatever, it is war out there. They don't yeah. care at all. Splits, like, what's going on? Give me this. Yeah, it it just gets intense yeah, out Tri-Boomer there. Boomer said he saw. I forgot who Angela was chasing. She wanted the splits, and, right? You no, know, she was chasing somebody, and Angela was in second. And she knows Tri Boomer a little bit. They've met, and so Angela goes, "Where the fuck is she?" <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny. Cause yeah. If anyone knows Angela or has seen her interviewed, otherwise she's so oh, soft she's so and sweet, sweet. You know. Yeah. Oh man, but. So like mellow yeah, this race is gonna be so awesome i can't wait it's gonna be Damn so it. good wait is this sunday or saturday oh i don't know because i'm doing i just I found out that. last night i'm doing a half or yeah half marathon on sunday so i want right. to make sure to have my technology set up so i can get my race results as soon as i'm done with my run yes geek squad i'm having problems with my technology <laughs> <laughs> i need it set up for heating right now <laughs> I, need my, I need my technology set up Please come back. I have all my little tabs uh, set up with all my little info for our show, just like I like to do. Same thing I do when I have Brad on for my show. Um, but the dudes, I mean, you got to give it to 
this field too. I mean, it's going to be a really, really fun race to watch. I think last year it was, was Brett McMahon and Kevin Collington who mm-hmm. kind of stole the show. You know how we were talking about the yeah. up and coming ITU guys. Um, oh, and that guy's back in it. From- yeah, Jan Fordino is in it this year. Yeah, Jan Fordino, who is on the prowl for yeah. good luck, Jordan. big time. <laughs> <laughs> Jordan Rapp, oh my gosh, yeah. like Sebastian Kelly, Andy Potts, who was just defeated by Jan Fordino, <gasps> so I'm sure he wants to show him what's up at oh, St. George now. It gets even better. This is a U.S. War, uh, U.S. Championship, so you get to claim that you're the U.S. champion. 7.3 champion. Win. Yes. That's North why, America. I mean, yeah. you got such big May names. May 3rd. When's, what day is the 3rd? Oh, it's Saturday. Sweet. Cool. Even better. I'll be wrapping up my Perfect. bike ride just as they're... I'll be riding, too. I'm going to do that whole swim hard, run hard, or bike hard on Saturday, then race a half marathon on Sunday to see how my 70.3 legs are <laughs> going these out. days. <laughs> um that's cool yeah it's gonna be a good one and i don't know yeah. anything else to say about that <laughs> well let's talk about uh paulo ono oh my gosh i'm such a fan of his i am not what i don't like that thing on his chin and i know it's just me but that thing drives me nuts and i got a thing on my chin but it doesn't look like that one Oh, the little, the hair thingy? I gender? don't like it. I want, every Isn't time I see him on TV, f- I start yelling at that thing. I go, that thing looks ridiculous. Like throwing shit at your TV. No, listen, if he wants to be interviewed by me, I'm his biggest fan. Okay. <laughs> I just don't like that thing on his chin. <laughs> Was it called the Flavor Saver? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, it's that's the one where it goes like from your lip down. But his like is like, it, to me, it looks like the bottom part of an exclamation point. So... Do you remember when he was racing and everything? He oh, was yeah. The, this is why I love him. Like, this is my connection to him that makes me justify it. Like, I, throughout all my years in sport, have always yawned before I start competition, whether it was my days in volleyball or, you know, this day and age with triathlon. I get the yawns. Yeah. And he is notorious for the guy who's yawning before literally starting, like, an Olympic competition for the speed skating. You know why? Remember that? You know why you're doing that? you're awesome and you're looking for you know more wasn't it like a calming like oxygen thing yeah what's going on is uh yeah you're tired uh and you're it's not really that you're bored you're just tired right that's why you yawn when you're tired and what you're doing is you're super chart you're super expanding your lungs and then compressing the air you'll notice that's what you're doing uh in your lungs so you're super oxygenating your blood to try to wake you up so when a teacher goes stop yawning you know, because you're yawning, you should actually say, I'm actually trying to wake up. The yawning is helping me. If you tell me not to yawn, I'm actually going to fall asleep. So I'm yawning because I want to to pay attention, right? So if you're nervous, kind of like having a nervous bladder or your, because um, that, that's your body's response trying to, to, to um, fight or flight, right? Yep. Yeah. So you're trying to shed liquid so that you can uh, have super concentrated blood sugar and, you know, things like that. And um, nervous bladder, nervous bowels, whatever. And then, uh, but yawning is another one that people do. Yeah. So, yeah, you want to race better, yawn. Now I have this sudden urge to yawn all of a sudden. Oh, <laughs> yawning's contagious, by the way. Yeah, the most, con- you don't even have to see someone now. You see, you're like, oh my God, <laughs> like totally you're yawning right now. I love it. <laughs> now I'm going to yawn. <laughs> that was not on purpose. That was totally- Did you yawn? You're yes. yawning. <laughs> yawn for the I'm gonna keep yawning. Okay. Yawn. Oh my god. 
<laughs> Anyways, Apollo Ono. Yeah. I'm he's going to be great. He's such he's a great spokesperson. Oh, he's the yeah. coolest thing for me is like exercise physiologist too is to see how a power athlete like him who yeah. did things for less than a minute that you know were just so critical speed and power yep. um, on a track like they would do in ice skating mm-hmm. is now going to take on endurance like this. Yep. He should do lots and lots of uh, easy bike and running to figure out the technique. Mm-hmm. You know, to smooth out his and swimming to smooth out his his stroke, and that's really because he's already got so much power. Mm-hmm. You know, he just needs to kind of maintain that a little bit and not go crazy with that. He just he needs to just smooth it out. I saw that that little preview blip of who before they announced who it was. It showed him showed somebody swimming, and I was like, man, they got big legs. <laughs> oh yeah, but their swim form's not terrible, but it's not great either. It's kind of like all over the place, but not bad. And I was like, oh, this person looks like they might, they might do this pretty, pretty well. So, yeah. Just well, bring, it sounds like in a he's, he's going to get the same sort of coaching deal that um, Heinz Ward got with Paul and B. Fraser. And yeah. I actually even saw uh, Craig Alexander is going to be in on the coaching team as well. Oh, I know. Yeah. Stoked. <laughs> well, and the I other thing is he can really talk, right? So yeah. he's a really good spokesperson. He's been on TV a million times. A million times, and he'll be able to communicate with people really well about what it's like, what it's training. He's a really likable guy, so couldn't agree more. I just pulled up an article on him, and I don't really watch TV too much, but yeah. apparently he was on Dancing with the Stars not too yeah, yeah, so a couple times actually. So if he can tackle that, then duh, he's gonna yeah. have Iron Man in the bag. Yeah, he might be our best yet. Okay, what do you think his strongest is going to be between swim, bike, run? I, I know biking. what I think. Biking. Yeah, I yeah. mean, with the legs like that. Yeah, you talking about power? He's speed skating, right? And that's look pushing at Heather down. Jackson. Yeah, well, they're pushing down at about what do you guess? Maybe seventy RPM, eighty RPM, or something like that when they're speed skating. I I'm guessing. No I don't know, but it's similar to cycling, you know. And it's just pure yeah. power. It's quads and 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 hamstrings and glutes. It's different than running for sure. So. That's awesome. So does that mean um, Apollo's in, Heinz Ward is in? There's also, I saw another girl on the press release that I, with whom I wasn't familiar, um, some trainer Yeah, they girl. need to bring in a, a really famous female. Yeah, what the heck? So is the... They're doing is really the, famous guys, but not really famous females yet. Chef Ramsey, is he out this year? Is he, I thought he and um, the soccer, David Beckham, were doing it this year too. Or is that not happening? I don't know if Beckham is. I know, I mean, Ramsey did, but he's not interested in being all super celebrity about it. He actually really likes the sport. He's been doing the sport for a long time. Yeah, So yeah. he's not like this is a one-off. He actually does Ironmans and half Ironmans for fun and has been yeah. for a while. He's yeah. good. Um, he was totally he was totally chill. I was at the press conference when he and Hines were talking yeah. um, before the race, and they were really like just had like a really good vibe about them. They weren't you know freaked out or what the hell have I got myself into? They were genuinely stoked to be there. You could tell. Yeah, yeah, it's cool stuff. Awesome. So, Felt uh, has recalled a bunch of bikes. Lance Armstrong tweeted that this was a brand killer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so first of all, all I have like this actually is not even new news. It isn't. No, this happened. I think it was like three years ago. They had the same recall because I I was sort of this was on my radar because my first bike was uh-huh. a 2009 Felt, which yeah. I think was in the mix of bikes that they were recalling. Yeah. Um, 
I had a B2R, but it, so I didn't have one that was actually being recalled. Um, but no, I don't think it's, I don't think it's a brand breaker, yeah. especially because again, like it's, they, they, we're talking old bikes that they're not even making this uh, particular system anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, these are used bikes. So if you're, I guess the best thing is uh, if you're out buying a bike, be cautious of these models, right? So a 2000 out, 2008 felt S22s and S32s. Why mm-hmm. would this come up on my radar as new news then? If this is because some, I, I saw it floating around again too. I think they yeah. may rehatched it or something. Just to, I think for exactly what you're saying, if there's people out there who are maybe selling these old frames or oh, something, be on the like lookout. That, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay so but then, you know, well, I'm ahead. kind of a felt athlete myself. Yeah, yeah I like felt. Uh, yeah, and I actually was just talking to them this morning to get the like just clear the air on this. Yeah. And basically, um, from one from their road production manager, he said it was an expansion reminder. The same recall we launched in two thousand nine that was affecting some one inch steer tube models, and yeah. they are not even making bicycles with that same system. Yeah, that's right. And they're just asking consumers with the old frame to have the bike inspected to see if the forks are at all infect- affected, negatively affected. <laughs> so it's, 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 what did I say? I don't even <laughs> I still have mush training camp brain. You should have yeah. heard me yesterday. I was saying some pretty random stuff. It was crazy. <laughs> Rear view mirror, parking lot, <laughs> spare tire, what? <laughs> You're just naming things that are around you. <laughs> Lamp. <laughs> Lamp. Okay. Yeah. Um, so let's see. Well, yeah, I was just recommending my buddy Morgan to get a felt. He was deciding between a road bike and a and a uh, tri bike. And the felt felt after uh, you know shopping around, I was like, man, a felt looks like a really good deal for his price range. You know what he was trying to get? Was Is like, he getting a DA? No, he ended up getting a road bike. Oh, okay. <laughs> so they make yeah. great road bikes too. Well, I... no, he got a Focus, and I'm like, whatever. So. <laughs> <laughs> right on I can't be friends uh, with him anymore if he, he's going to continue to not get a tri bike we're going to have to talk we have to have an intervention we, like look you got to get a tri bike man so does he he races triathlons on a road bike yeah actually huh we were talking about that on my podcast <laughs> like the look on your face you're like huh well why doesn't he so, just get a tri bike I don't know listen he, he knows more about his own life committed? than we do so it's interesting interesting i know uh, we were talking about that on my last podcast with lucho about yeah. you know training on your road bike but then racing on your triathlon bike and you know if you're not getting used to sitting in that triathlon geometry how it can definitely oh, yeah. you know they don't transfer over that easily they don't um but no. lucho was saying like pros like peter reed and stuff almost primarily race on road bikes back in the height of his career yeah and good luck so, trying to match their speeds that's the funny know, thing right, right? Crazy. Oh, I need an aero helmet. Okay, are you as fast as Curly, Chrissy Wellington yet? No. Exactly. Did, did she ever ever wear an aero helmet? No. no. <laughs> so maybe no. you need to train a little bit more. Yes. Before it makes that Spend much a little of a less money. I got spend a, a little more time. Here. Yeah. I like the guy that's like blowing leaves right next to me. I'm on a very important call. <laughs> Do you realize this is tawny. This is famous? <laughs> I'm dying in the heat, buddy. Come on, go away. <laughs> People are thinking that you're probably like seriously trying to do bad things to your body right now. Oh, God, I thought you went away and now you came back. 
I don't hear it, so hopefully it won't okay, come. Okay, good. Oh, now I had to roll the window, though. I'm dying again. Okay, so buy a felt. They're great. They're awesome. They and are awesome, by the way. I will say from experience, I live – I don't forget if we talked about this, but I lived less than 10 miles from their headquarters. Yeah. Um, and I'm, they're kind of my go-to guys if I need help with my stuff. And they have, like, ever since day one, since I bought my first felt, and that was, you know – me being a nobody and they've always been super helpful and I just love the way they run their business. Jim Felt's been a family friend of mine for years, so I oh. guess I'm a little biased, but Yeah, that sounds like you're a little biased there. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. If if but you want to impress Tony, get a felt. She will <laughs> love you forever. Look at my latest Instagram pic that I just posted this morning of me cruising on my felt. I, I loving it. I am obsessed okay, with my bike right did now. You, did it cross post to Twitter because I did actually. Okay, let me find it. It was right. It was cruising down PCH Cardiff area yesterday. I've been busy all morning angering uh, gun fanatics on Twitter. I, I got to stop doing that. What? So let me see. You have a secret life that your triathlon people do not know about? No, I was doing it right from the Zentri account. <laughs> <clears throat> Anybody that's like an extremist in anything, I, I kind of get them going. So it doesn't matter if you're in the guns or in the, I don't know, frogs. Uh, no, that's like a good to, point. Have you seen that yeah. new book by this is triathlon newsish? Uh, yeah. The new book by Matt Fitzgerald, Diet Colts. Yes, I love that. I love the whole thing. I've quoted it that it's He's a cult. Awesome. Yeah. That when you get way too much into a diet, that um, it becomes unsustainable. But then it has the same dynamics as a cult, right? You have a leader, right? Yeah. And you have things you have to adhere to. Um. People that aren't in it are, uh, you shouldn't associate with them. <laughs> and you need to stay close and you need to listen to daily. Ma- I knew some people, a couple of girls off and on, they, they weren't friends with each other, but that were in cults in California. seems like California has its fair share of weird cult kind of groups. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, they would get daily text messages, you know, from their leader about. What? About, you know, whatever. And uh, so, yeah, diet cults for sure. It's good because, you know, the, I think what a lot of these trends, they and Matt, Matt's point is the one true way. Like all of these vegan or paleo or fruitarian uh-huh. or whatever it may be, they say that way is the only way. When, uh-huh. you know, if you're – I know you're really into this kind of stuff too. It's not that there's just one way. It's about – kind of taking bits and pieces from all of it and then finding what works best for your own needs and body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's another one that's really interesting. I was giving somebody hell on slow twitch over being like going ketogenic all the time, you know? Yeah. And did you see me talking to that guy? No, I, so, you, like I said, I don't really do the slow twitch. I did. Thing. Uh, I, I posted the link to orthorexia. Orthorexia oh, is yeah. an eating disorder. We talked about that when you came on my podcast, really? I think. Yeah, it's fascinating. And when you list out the symptoms... It's kind of like a cult, right? You you have to adhere to it, even though it's damaging your life. You, um, but the, the 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 really bad thing is you perceive foods that you actually need, and you're needing really badly because you haven't been eating them as unhealthy. So the food that you need to stay healthy, you've decided because of the group mentality of the cult, the food cult, that it's bad for you, right? And so you you refuse to eat it, although you're dying, literally, of not eating that food or nutrition that's in that food. 
Mental. I mean, that's what all this really boils down to is it's a psychological issue when you get to that level with that kind of Mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah, we all. The the sad thing is, is uh, you and I, for example, and millions of other people fall into this stuff by accident. You don't know what's happening, right? Mm -hmm. And then so you got to be able to um, check yourself every once in a while. When somebody starts making fun of you a lot for something. (laughs) <laughs> it's probably a sign. You probably ought to step back and like, oh, yeah. okay, maybe I am really too much into this, you know. Just so when your family like makes fun of you just tons for um, for uh, like doing too much travel on stuff, too much working out, there's a little bit of truth in that, you know. Like maybe you ought to bring it in just a little bit. For sure. So um, or maybe start looking into like how do people train. Like uh, the low volume, high intensity stuff, right? So maybe that wasn't really working for you, though. Didn't you do dabble with that a little bit? Oh yeah, I do it all the time. But I'm just saying, like to save time, maybe you ought to, yeah. you know, kind of look into that instead. Yeah. Uh, okay, you're posting about duck fat. <laughs> <laughs> what is this? What's going on? I gotta duck follow this fat more. Fries. This is oh awesome. my god, these are like God's gift to the like world. Um. So I, over the course of our training camp, we we're just, you know, ta- of course, talking about food because what else do triathletes talk about? Like, what are we going to eat after we work out all day? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and there's this restaurant local to where I live that you have to ask for it, but they do sweet potato fries. Holy crap. Jack- you have a felt DA? IA. IA. What's the difference? IA. That's the better one. It is. It's the same one that Rennie anyway. It's basically the difference is your- that it's not UCI. Did you call the tape? No, well. Okay, so let me. I'll tell you. There's so, so much going on in this photo. I'm, I'm so having much trouble going on. staying focused. Okay, one, you're not wearing an arrow helmet. No, because okay. I'm training, and I don't even. Yeah, duh. So, we've got that. I'm Two. Okay, go for it. You've got arrow bottles hanging off the back. No, That's not arrow bottles. Change. Water bottles hanging off the back. So, but they are the slightly angled away. back, which is good. That's going to leave because I have a dash saddle and the dash saddle on the very back of it has a screw for just one bottle to go on. Right now, I still have my old carbon wing on, so I just need to take that off and re-kind of configure how that's all set up. So this bike is still kind of a little bit of a work in progress. Um, thankfully, I have <laughs> my like fit. It's a space shuttle. It, what do you mean it's a work in progress? It's, this thing should enter a race for you and race it and then tell you how it went. I know. Well, you see the blue tape on there? So yeah, I have. <laughs> This is the most embarrassing part that makes me feel bad that I'm writing this gorgeous frame setup yes. and I have little ghetto little pieces on it. So um, my power meter, I have an old SRM wired unit because oh, yeah. that's what I bought when yeah. I off a kid who sold it to me for a good price and I just can't afford to get anything else at this point, you know? Yeah. Um, so I need to uh, r- properly like put the wire through the frame and get it all dialed in. Well... We had to do something just kind of quick makeshift for this weekend to get it up and running, and yeah. that meant taping it to the outside of the frame, which I felt bad for doing. But so you is know. that your SRM power readout on the left there? Yeah, you can see. Uh, am I? What am I? What is that? What am I doing there? Probably just it's we're like out to the left side. It's blocked hanging. by your other computer that you've got on your wrist. <laughs> There's only two. Don't worry. <laughs> okay, so yeah, I know, my I, I ride with like six things. So complicated. Well, I used to race with two watches before I had, um, before when I still had the Garmin Forerunner, uh-huh. the old, old, old school one. I don't even remember what number that was. The, with the bezel. Uh huh. Um. Anyways, 
Yeah, this SRM is only for uh, I don't ha- I didn't have speed set up, only the power. Yeah. And oh, so you wanted to capture Garmin, all that other stuff. The Garmin had all the other fun stuff. Man, look at your hamstrings. It's like somebody's pulling them like piano wire. That's just my big vastus lateralis hanging over my IT band. That sounds disgusting. What is that? <laughs> your vastus lateralis? <laughs> I have really big quads. <laughs> It looks like you're pulling, you're going to rip your leg muscles like straight off the side of your leg. Yeah. That's pretty impressive. So yeah. then let's see what else we got going on here. That's a nice bike. So how does Thank it ride? You got the arrow bot, you got the between the, between the arms bottle going? Yeah, I'm going to get a little bit better of a hydration system set up for when I do Eagle Man uh, with like one of the bottles that has a straw coming out. I don't yeah. know which one to get. Do you have any tips on your favorite Aero hydration systems right now. Yeah, I've been using the uh, X-Lab Torpedo, and it works nicely. Oh, that's what my mom has. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I might have to get one of those. Yep. Um, it works very nicely, and you can pop it right off and clean it out. Put, And then, let's say you don't want to use it, well, you can put a water bottle in that cage in, instead anyway. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, no, it rides amazing. I'm, I've, I mean, the last two days I've ridden over 100 miles on it, and I'm, yeah. I'm not training for an Ironman or anything. Um, I'm just doing half Ironmans this year. I've put in hundreds of miles on it in the last month. I think that's about how long I've had it, and it is lives up to all the hype and the expectations. So the difference between the IA and the DA is that the IA is not UCI legal. Oh, so yeah, definitely not. It's, got, it's built completely for a triathlete just as the Shiv is. Right. So it's different in that sense. And um, really, I mean, I'm noticing my runs off the bike are freaking the best I've ever felt running off the bike. It's like it's like Faces of Death, you know, that video? It's like illegal in 56 states. And you're like, I thought there was only 50 states. And you're like, yeah, but if there was more, <laughs> it'd be illegal in those too. <laughs> yep. Yeah. You're, okay, so you're in your photo, you're actually both laughing and smiling at the same time. That's because I was really – my athlete who was, like, taking video and pictures of me while we were, like, spinning out yeah. on PCH, I was, like I, – what I was saying to him was actually, I love that you're doing this for me. Thank you for taking the pictures, but don't picture. expect – yeah, don't expect me to return the favor because I ain't that skilled whatsoever. I'm not right? going to – You could crash on your bike. Yeah, yeah, screw that. <laughs> yeah. You do have two wrinkles on your left shoulder in your cycling jersey. Which, oh, my God. That's probably a watt each bonk breaker and yeah they're gonna get mad at me for that they're probably gonna have to photoshop that out yeah you don't want that <laughs> you'll never go pro you're gonna have to stick with rev three races if you keep riding <laughs> like that okay hey i gotta run are we out of news stories oh my gosh it's been an hour already yeah. time flies man um i think so yeah okay, next wait. up for you is gonna be the story of your race no we got two more we got one more episode and then the race yeah may 17th is your race Yep, May 17th. Yep. Cool. All right, well, <laughs> I have to thank- check. <laughs> I'm racing someday. <laughs> thank you for inviting me back on your show again. Oh, cool. It's been super fun, fun talking chatting. to you. Made my day. Yeah, for sure. All right, have a good one. All right. All right. Thank you, Tawny. And... After the recording, Tawny said, you know, anytime that I want her on the show, definitely ask her and she'll try to uh, fit it in. She's really busy. And uh, 
I, I'm like, yeah, man, Tawny's awesome. It's so cool having on a podcast, uh, a guy and a girl, uh, back and forth. It made the different tones of voice and everything. And, and then you, it makes for good audio. And then also the, uh, different opinions on things from the guy's point of view and the girl's point of view is really cool too. So that's why I'm always <laughs> chasing, <laughs> chasing women, chasing women to be on the podcast because it makes for a more interesting podcast instead of just, instead of just dudes talking about dude stuff. You know, there's a whole lot of other people out there. So I like that. All right, let's go ahead and get, uh, Kai's coaching for kids. We talk about uh, cycling. What we're trying to do is uh, get Kai started on uh, sharing some of his knowledge. He's working for money uh, to earn, to pay off a uh, kid's mountain bike that he's trying to earn so that he can mountain bike while I go trail running and uh, pay for it himself with his own work. And doing that by giving coaching advice on the podcast on things that he knows about and then, um, if y'all, y'all, if y'all find that uh, really helpful, then uh, maybe you want to support his his uh, his biking habit and uh, help out. So you can donate to the show uh, with with uh, with uh, uh, you can go to PayPal on the left side of the of the Zintrathlon podcast and uh, donate to Kai. And then we're really close. We're we're with we're within like forty bucks. Of paying off this bike, he's really excited. And uh, but let's go ahead and get uh, started with uh, Kai's coaching for kids. It's actually re- a really good one, and uh, it's pretty funny. So here we go. All right, we're here with Coach Kai. Co- Kai's coaching for kids. Ready to do our intro music? Ready? Kai's coach for kids. All right, dude. How's it going, Coach Kai? High five. All right. What are you What are you eating today? Carrots and hummus. That sounds really healthy. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I guess it is. You asked for this. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So carrots are a veggie, right? Mm-hmm. And lots of fiber. And hummus is made out of. Did you know it's made out of beans? Mm-hmm. Garbanzo beans. Okay. And a little bit of olive oil and tahini. It's really good for you. That's a good good choice. Okay. Okay, that'll get rid of everybody that doesn't really want to be here. All right, Kai's coaching for kids. This time we're going to talk about what? Biking. Biking. Okay, you need to finish chewing there. I'll let you do that. And we're going to talk about biking tips for people, for things to do and things not to do, right? Mm. No, don't eat that. I don't want you chewing while you give your interview, okay? All right. Well, this won't take long. You'll be able to get back to your hummus and carrots. Thank you. (laughs) All right. Oh, here's Roxy. She's looking around. All right. Let's start off with... How do you get your bike ready for a race? Have you ever thought about that? Um, about airing up the tires? Airing up the tires, making sure you have all your stuff ready on your bike. So what are the things that you need to bike in a race? Um, Before uh, you go to the race, right, when you leave the house, you should make sure you have several things. What are they? A water bottle, 
um, a helmet. Mm-hmm. Um, bike shoes? Bike shoes and maybe some sunglasses. Right, and why do you wear eye protection on the bike sometimes? So the sun doesn't make you squint and you can barely see the road. Oh, that's really, really smart. And also, you could get a bug in your eye, mm-hmm. right? Or a rock, right? The other day, I was riding my bike, and I hit a rock, and it shot off from the side of my bike and hit the guardrail next to me, and it went, ding, like that, really loud. And I was like, man, you know, if, if I was riding next to somebody and that happened, that could have hit me in the face, in the eye. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you've done lots of bike training, right? Do you wear bike gloves in a race? Maybe. I would say if the race is really long, yeah. you would wear... Yeah. Bike gloves, because it only takes like 30 seconds to put them on, if that, right? Uh-huh. And that's not going to make much difference in an Ironman. But in a short race, like your races, you guys are doing like races in like less than half an hour, right? So gloves really do make a difference as far as time, right? Uh-huh. Putting on gloves could make the difference between first, second, third, fourth place, right? Mm-hmm. All right. So you got your tires aired up. And quit handling the carrots, man. You, okay, I'm moving this way so you can focus. Here, sit up. People are, are super excited and stoked for your advice, Coach Kai. Man, you got to – you got to – can you believe it? Isn't this cool? Yeah. Okay. So let's say you get out of the swim. Mm-hmm. And we talked about this last time, right? Mm-hmm. And you get on the bike. What happens next on the bike? Well, how do you get on the bike? What do you have to do? You have to go past the mounting line. Mm-hmm. What about your helmet, though? What you did you put on your helmet? First thing you did in transition area. Yeah? I do it very first thing, so I don't forget it. Mm-hmm. Right? And then I do my sunglasses last because... Um, they don't matter as much. They don't matter as much, and also, by now, you've probably managed to get all the water off your face. Mm-hmm. Get closer. Okay. Now, (laughs) are you having trouble? Your legs are sore, huh? Uh, Yeah. Okay. Kai did a trampoline-a-thon marathon yesterday, and now his legs are all sore. How about I get closer to you? Okay. (laughs) Did that hurt? No. What did I call it? The doms? You got a case of the doms? Say it. It's really funny when you say it. Doms. You've got a case of the doms. you got a case of the doms. No, I've got a case of the doms. Yeah. No, you. No, you. (laughs) It's wabbit season. Duck season. Okay. What about your race number? I'd put that on second. So helmet first. Helmet. Um, race number. I think that's it. Yeah. Sunglasses. Sunglasses, then maybe... Gloves. Yeah. Okay, so now you're on your bike, right? And you said you have to wait to get on your bike until what happens? You pass the dismount line. No, the mounting. The mountain line. Mountain line. <laughs> they should put a mountain a poster of a mountain line right there and call it the mountain lion line. Okay. Would that be funny? Yeah. Okay. Then what happens? You start paddling. Oh my gosh, you're in a giant gear. You're in the wrong gear. It's a huge gear and you can't start pedaling. What should you have done? 
get in the gear that you want to when you when you haven't started the race yet. Right. So when you're putting your bike in the transition area, mm-hmm. that's when you put it in the gear that you want. Yeah, an easy gear. Right. A smaller gear than you would. Yeah. Than when you would race at. Yeah. Did you know one time I at Buffalo Springs raced Ironman, half Ironman? You pedal like 100 feet and then go straight up the freaking side of a cliff, it seems like, on that bike. I mean, you definitely want to be in an easy gear, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So now you're pedaling along, pedaling along, and what did you say about passing? Which side do you pass on? On the left. Pretty much always, right? Always. Right. Well, what if it's a country where they drive on the other side of the road? Remember when you went Still to the UK? That. No, you pass on the other side. No. Yes. No. Yes. No. How about we just read the instructions and they tell you which side to pass on? My coach said to never do that. Never go on the other side of the road. Never. Right, but what if? But it's a country where everybody drives on the other side of the road. Like we did at the race that we. Yeah. Um, okay. Going so, to do. Then. You still pass then on what? The left. Okay. Everybody pass on the. If you live on a, in the side of the in the part of the world where you drive, on the left side of the road, <laughs> pass on the right. It's, it's okay. not true. Don't listen. To guy him. doesn't. Guy doesn't know. You're a nut. You don't have your driver's license yet. You don't know. You're a nut. You don't know. Okay. You're a nut. Then, now what? So you're riding along. About how long? It's the bike ride is a long time, right? So should you go really, really hard? No. Why not? Because you'll waste your energy. And you'll have a what kind of run? Cramping and um, uh, uh, slow. Slow run. Yeah. Very a slow. Sucky run, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now let's say you've got to pass somebody. How do you like? You come up behind somebody. They're going slower than you are. How do you pass them? What do you do? Say, on your left, and then make sure they look back at you. Really? Or, or make sure they know that you that they got the message. Yeah, you can kind of tell, right? You'll uh-huh. see them kind of nod their head or turn their head just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then you pass them as soon as you can, so you're not mm-hmm. cheating and drafting. Can you draft in your races? Is that okay? You're not supposed to draft in your races? Wow, really? I didn't know that. Okay, and then then let's say you're going up a really steep hill. How hard do you try? I'd say medium. Yeah, but not you don't try to kill yourself like going up that thing, right? No. Because then no. what will happen to your run? It'll be a sucky run. A sucky run, right? Right? Right, right. Okay, let's say you're going steep downhill. How hard do you pedal? Pretty hard. You do? So you I would say don't pedal hard at all because you're already going really fast. You don't need to pedal hard. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, you guys are racing so fast and so short. You can I'd get you can a, go pretty hard the whole time. I'd go in a bigger gear and go like medium pace. Okay. I like that. I agree with your answer. First time caller, last time sports fan. <laughs> okay. Now, let's see. You're coming up to the end of the bike ride. You're coming up to the end of the bike ride. How do you know it's the end? You can see a lot of volunteers. And it, right. and it might say on like a big sign, bike in. Mm-hmm. Bike in to the transition area, uh-huh. right? So now what do you do? 
you dismount after the mountain lion? No, before the mountain before, lion. Before the mountain <laughs> Before Well, the there's a dismount lion. lion. Dismount lion. Lion, lion, lion. Dismount lion. Right. So you need to get off your bike before then, and they'll, they'll be yelling at you to do that, right? Uh-huh. You do a flying dismount, right? Yeah. Where you jump off while the bike's still going. Mm-hmm. How'd you learn to do that? That's pretty crazy. Bike practice. Just bike practice? Tri- triathlon practice. So now you get off your bike and now you got to run with it, right? To do what? You got to put it back on the bike rack or something? Mm-hmm. And how do you get it back on the bike rack correctly? How do you find where you, your bike was? If there was, it's kind of hard. So it's something you ought to really practice, yeah. right? So you ought to remember. Your number and Your stuff. number, yeah. It's written on you. <laughs> so it's kind of hard to forget. But sometimes you need to look for a landmark next to where your bike should go. Mm-hmm. Like a light pole or a, or a fence post or something on the ground that tells you where your bike should go. Mm-hmm. And then go for that, right? And then you hop off your bike and put on your run stuff, right? Yep. Okay, let's talk about something that's really serious. <laughs> what? <laughs> Sorry, there's a dog that's... Go away, dude! Okay, you're um, turning on the bike. Corners and stuff. I know you guys practice this a lot, right? Like how to turn and go around don't, cones. Don't pass. When you're on a turn. Yeah, I know that this is going to be really important. This is where you got a lot of experience, right? Because this is like all you guys practice is turning, right? And bike handling skills? Yeah. Okay. So when you turn to the right, what do you do with your body? Put your arm, put your right arm out to the right. Why? So people know that you're turning. Oh, that's a bike safety thing if you're out riding in traffic. Oh. I'm saying, what if you're racing? You Do turn. you lean into the turn? What if the road's wet? Um, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> yeah, it does, dude. You need to kind of slow down a little bit. Yeah, slow down a little bit. Yeah. Now, did you know about if you're turning right, you press down on your left pedal? Mm-hmm. Really? You knew that? Mm-hmm. So your pedal doesn't, if you're right, if you're turning right, your right pedal doesn't, like, hit the ground and it makes you wipe out. Yeah, that's true. Now, one thing you can practice is how far, you can do this in practice, is learn how far you can lean over the bike before your pedal hits, right? It's actually a little bit farther than you think, mm-hmm. right? Or you can just turn your head and your your bike will go that way. Oh, your bike will go where you look, where you mm-hmm. turn your head. That's pretty smart, right? Okay, so if you're turning left, you put all your weight on your right pedal, right? And that'll keep the bike stuck to the ground. Mm-hmm. Okay, and you look to where you want to go. Mm-hmm. Now, what if there's something in the road that's, that's dangerous, like a pothole or a broken bottle go or something? Go around it and say pothole. Right. You let other people know behind you, right? Uh-huh. If there are people behind you. You say it really loudly as you're getting close to it, then other people know you're going to do something weird, like you're going to swerve. Right? I'm and not going to swerve. A little bit. Like, what if it's an emergency and you got to swerve? If you yell out, going left, pothole, or something like that, then other people to your left will kind of slow down and give you room. Okay. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. You got to communicate. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. So if somebody's racing this weekend, do you have any advice for them, like motivational advice? I don't know. Like say you're a coach and you're like, I'm like, hey, Coach Kai, I'm racing this weekend. I'm, I'm, uh, I really want to do good. What should I do? Stay at a steady pace. Perfect. Stay at a steady pace so you don't have a... Wreck. Su no. Sucky run. Sucky run or a sucky bike or a sucky swim. Actually, no. Yeah. Right, Swim's already over by the time you're on the bike. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think this is good advice, man. Okay. Yeah? Okay. You like being a coach? Kind of. Yeah? It's a lot of responsibility. There's people uh, that are going to do what you say. You know that? Yeah. What if they mess up because of what you said? I won't give you your money Say, back. <laughs> <laughs> I need it. Which is deny everything. Deny. Say Kai's not here. Kai's not here. You say, I'm just nine, okay? I'm just nine. <laughs> there. That's how you get that's how you get get out of any responsibility. Okay. I'm just nine, all right? Okay. Okay. So Kai and I have to make a pizza tonight for Cub Scouts. And we're going to make Thai pizza. So what you do is you get pizza crust, or you can make your own. And then you get peanut sauce and cilantro. And then you take a carrot peeler, and you get carrot strands, right? Or you can dice carrots and put it on there. And you grill some chicken or stir-fry it in a frying pan with a little bit of peanuts, peanut sauce and some coconut oil. And then you put all that on there, and that's all. You don't do tomato sauce. Oh, and you can do onion if you want, but uh, red and yellow bell pepper is a really good touch. But green. Green doesn't – it's weird. and Green doesn't work. But you do have the green cilantro, and it makes a really cool-looking pizza. And I know it's really good because I started making it. Why are you upside down, dude? Because it feels good. Because why? It feels good. Okay, Kai's just gone inverted on us. Is this some kind of pro move? I don't know. Okay. You're thinking like a pro. You just, just go with it, right? Mm -hmm. Just go with the flow. <laughs> so um, we used to get this Thai, Thai pizza at a restaurant, and then I started making it at home because it was so good. All right? Yeah. All right. Thanks, Kai. You're welcome. You ready to do our outro music? Yeah. Here you go. Ready? Kai's coach for kids. Oh, oh, oh. All right, we are back. Thanks a lot, Kai. It's so cool to have him on the show. I love it, man. I got a co-pilot out here with me, a co-host all the time. <laughs> In real life, man, he is so freaking funny. It's so awesome hanging out with him. Okay, let's move on to donations to the show and questions. All right, if you donate to the podcast, you go to zentrathlon.com. On the left-hand side, there's a uh, PayPal. It's super easy to donate nowadays. And... You can set up like a one-time or a recurring. If, you're, if you donate to the show, I am happy to read your questions, your training questions, your food questions, your intensity questions, your life struggle questions here on the podcast. And we have a good one here, a really good one from Jason Drury. And he is, I won't, well, I guess maybe I'll read part, part of it here. It's, it's pretty long, but... Basically, uh, should you stretch or should you not stretch before, after, during, you know, uh, all that stuff. 
uh, during a workout. And I really enjoy reading meta studies. And a study, a meta study is where they study the studies. And they'll take all these different studies and then analyze those and then come up with a, um, because now you're, you're getting to be really non-biased by um, piecing, because a study can be biased, right? Well, you compare studies with each other and then try to try to um, figure out what's actually going on. And the this was from an article I read a while back. And it said something that I'm finding to be very true in triathlon. And it's, um, it depends. <laughs> but it depends on um, the person. And uh, you should look at your past results with stretching to, um, to uh, figure out what works best for you. If you don't stretch and you don't get injured... Don't start stretching. You're not the type of person that needs it. If you stretch and you get injured, consider that maybe stretching is causing the injury. We'll get that in a second. And if if you stretch and you don't get injured, continue stretching. Okay. So definitely, if you're not injured, continue doing whatever you're doing. I don't stretch. I don't get injured. So why would I start? Right. Um, if I stretched all the time and I didn't get injured, why would I stop? Just keep doing it. It's obvious whatever you're doing is working for you. Now the question is, are you getting injured? Okay. If you're getting injured and you're not stretching, consider stretching. If you're getting injured and you are stretching, there is a way very possibly that your stretching is actually hurting you and causing the injury. What's going on is, um, once a human decides that stretching is going to fix the problem, um, they start stretching a lot and that stretching actually causes uh, rips and tears in the muscles and uh, makes it worse. And it's kind of like um, it's target fixation. If you're riding a bicycle or a motorcycle or driving a car and you see a pothole, the, the best way, they train police officers, they train all kinds of uh, motorcycle racers, bike racers in this don't look at the problem. Look in the road. Don't look at the hole. Don't look at the two by four in the road. If you, you're going to go wherever you're looking and look away. And I've learned this and, um, I've, I've developed a reflex so that it comes on pretty fast, but not that fast. But, um, to, if I see something in the road, immediately look for away from it and look to where you want to go and then you'll start finding the solution. Okay, so in the stretching problem, somebody goes, oh, my calf hurts, right? I want to stretch it. Okay, so then they start stretching it, and then they start stretching it a lot and a lot and a lot because they're looking at the problem, and uh, they keep uh, they keep irritating it and making it worse and worse and worse. So there you go. Um, and then there's the before and after um, Lots of lots and lots of studies show that um, the best time to stretch, if you do stretch, is after. And uh, right now, I'm kind of modifying my workouts to have a much longer warm up. This will be in the next podcast. This is real. I got so much good stuff for the next podcast. I can't wait to share with y'all. And the uh, you you want a long, long, long warm up of just going super, super easy. No stretching, nothing. Like say it's a say it's a run. You just get out there and start run walking. And eventually you'll start running the whole time. And then after a while, you'll 
you'll be to the point where you can't freaking stand it anymore and now you want to run fast. That's when you should start running at your normal speed and then doing intervals and stuff like that. Um, Up until that point, you should just be very, very casual. And you consider this all part of your workout, right? Well, if you take, and then you have much, much better recovery if you train that way. Well, then if you look at the whole, the stretching picture, um, you shouldn't stretch muscles that are cold. You should stretch muscles, um, if you're going to do it at all, um, that are already warmed up and loose. And because if they're cold, you're just tearing things apart instead of stretching them. And well, stretching by nature is tearing, right? And I mean, that's just what it is. And you're, you're tearing so that it, it's longer when it heals. And, um, obviously when you look at it like that, well then, yeah, you would stretch after you're all done you're all warmed up, maybe after your long warm up of half an hour, then you would stretch a little bit before you do your interval, but I don't do it. I've never had a problem with that kind of stuff. So, um, the, uh, the same thing goes the meta, 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 meta study on running on pavement versus dirt <laughs> is you're better at what you've been, you're, you're going to get less injured on what you're running on. If you run on pavement all the time and you switch to dirt, guess what? You're going to turn your ankle and you're going to get injured. If you run on dirt all the time and then you run on pavement, guess what? You're going to get stress fractures from slamming into the hard ground. If you run on pavement all the time, lots and lots and lots, you're not going to, um, you're going to be used to how to strike the pavement. Um, and the pavement's not going to bother you. I run on pavement all the time. I don't get any kind of injuries from running on pavement. I run on pavement all, all the time, you know, but then I fell down running on trails and cracked my ribs, (laughs) right? Because I don't run on trails all the time. And the same thing goes for crank length. The, on your bike, the, um, the best crank length they found when they study the studies is they find out that you're going to be fastest and most powerful on the crank length that you use all the time. So a rider that rides on 172s is going to be fastest on 172s. And the rider that's been riding forever on 170s is going to be faster on 170s. And you want to mess them up, move them to a shorter or a different crank length. And then after a while, they'll, they'll uh, even out on the other one. You know, and but there is not a whole lot to you know variety. You know, as far as like running goes, uh, I like running on a variety of different stuff. Okay, let's move on to. I hope that completely answers your question in a totally incomplete way. But hey, Jason, thanks for the for the uh, donation. And um, I also wrote Jason an, an email and had a back and forth with him for a while, talking about ideas for him in particular. Um, Kai got um, two donations for his coaching. Kai's coaching for kids. Bang, 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 bang. And we got Chelsea, and um, she said, thanks for the advice on doing a 10-mile time trial. She asked me on Twitter. Um, she's got a 10-mile time trial with lots of turns coming up. Uh, how should she uh, uh, race it? 10 miles isn't all that long. Um, you know, you're talking uh, half an hour probably, depends. And the um, and I said, when you're coming out of the turn, stay low. You, you stand up out of the saddle. That way you get more power coming out of the turns in, in a lower gear. And um, But before you start to go in the lactate threshold burn, you sit back down. And um, But while you're standing on the pedals to come out of that turn, uh, keep your head low to reduce drag. So you can pedal. I can stand and pedal while my elbows are in the arrow bars. And it's not that hard. You, you just practice it a few times and then bang, you can do it. Um, 
So you can stay really, really aero while staying standing on the pedals to uh, get more power temporarily. And then um, also when you're taking turns on the bike, this is a really cool trick. If you're turning right, put all your weight on your left-hand pedal as you go through that turn. And because the wheels, the tires are between your left-hand pedal and the road, um, those tires are going to be pressed into the road. So it's going to be really difficult for those tires to come off, to, to lose traction and for you to slip out and wreck. And so if you turn left, you put all your weight on your right-hand pedal, you know, on the outside. You always put the weight on the outside of the bike, all your weight on the outside of the bike. And your bike will stick to the pavement like glue. It's really, really cool. It's a trick of the pros. Okay. And then we have um, Donald Hall uh, donated uh, and to uh, Kai. And he said that he, his nine-year-old son, that's the same age as Kai, has the exact same bike that Kai is wanting to get. And it is great to be out on the trails with him. It is super cool. So good luck in Ironman Texas. Hey, thanks, Donald. That is Really thoughtful of you, man. I'm, I'm glad we could connect that way. And let's see, we also have donations from Tessa Jorgensen, Elisa Frutos, Syed Kwaja. Is it Kwaja or Kwaja? Let me know. Email me and let me know. Keith Burtis. What's up, Keith? And David Long. Okay. And we have, we have more donations that have come in. They're in my email. I'll read them off on the next episode. Okay. So speaking of next episode, I am... Oh man, I've, I've cut back on the volume and started doing intervals to bring my strength and speed up for uh, race day. It's kind of like a semi-taper and also validating that uh, the huge amount of volume that I did and I got sick of doing the huge amount of volume. Anytime you get sick of something, you need to switch. And you can switch between doing high volume and intervals back and forth if you want. It works great. Um, and in, in this podcast... I, uh, in this training, uh, training log, I, um, I start doing the Sammy method and that's why this whole podcast is, um, it's not even called the Sammy method. The podcast I'm calling, uh, Sammy style, but Sammy Inkinen, um, was first amateur at Wildflower, first amateur at 70.3 worlds and second amateur with a sub nine Ironman at, um, Kona back in 2011. And he documented some of what he did as his training and it was uh, lots of intervals very little volume um but in a in a the volume was still done but in a totally different way and we're gonna start talking about it in this training log and um since i've stopped recording the portions of this training log in this episode um i've done even more training this way and zeroed in on some really really cool results and methods that in next episode, I'm totally going to share with you. And, um, and this is really cool because we're getting very close to Ironman Texas. And it's um, the, the big thing also that I start doing in this podcast is um, it's just on just start getting starting to get into heat training. And heat training is the new altitude training because people are figuring out that this is critical. And maybe it helps you at colder races too. The fact that you're so heat adapted that um, you can perform like on a whole a, a whole better level than than you thought you could because your body's just not influenced by heat at all. Let's say if it's if it's if it's a colder race, right? 
All right, so the the heat training has you exposing yourself to high heat, high humidity, if you can find it, um, as frequently as possible and more and more and more as you get close to the race. And Ironman Texas is brutal. The fact that it's the fifth hardest Ironman out there and it only has like 1,600 feet of climbing on the bike and it only has probably a few hundred feet of climbing on the run just shows you like why in the world would this race be so hard? It's because it's you know, like 90 degrees or worse. And, in a, in, uh, God, it can be this, the most insane amount of humidity that you've ever seen. And it's a full Ironman where you run a marathon in this. You start, if you're lucky, you start around one o'clock in the afternoon and, and you have to run through this, you know, through the hottest part of the day. And for example, the, um, the heat training that I'm, that I'm, starting with which you need to slowly adapt to it you don't just go all out all of a sudden or else you'll shock your body too much is uh, like right now i'm sitting in my car and recording this because i just finished lunch and a car makes a great recording studio because it's kind of like a closed in and there's fabric closed in environment with some fabric so it makes the sound uh quality a lot better and it's not very echoey and um but i'm sitting in my car with all the windows rolled up and i've been here you know this whole time that i've been talking and, um, it's, I don't know, it's 80 degrees outside or something, maybe, maybe 75. And, um, we had a little bit of a cool front come through and here in Texas and, um, have all the windows rolled up and I'm wearing long pants and three layers <laughs> on top and I'm still not sweating. And the fact that I can do that this long means that the heat training starting to work. And, um, I'm wearing a, I'm wearing an undershirt. Well, it's just a cotton t-shirt, you know, um, a long sleeve button down shirt and a workout jacket all together. And I can feel my brow and I'm not sweating yet. Right. I mean, and that is nuts. So you want to go do a hot race. You can start using your car as your heat training device to slowly start adapting to it. Um, when I drive, uh, back the past few days when I'm driving back and forth to work, I'm, I'm turning the heater on. And when I'm driving to the pool, I'm turning the heater on full blast, right? I had somebody get into the car with me (laughs) and go, what the hell? Oh my God, I'm dying. Like they couldn't stay in the car for three seconds. And I'm at the point where I hadn't even noticed it yet. Right now we won't know until race day, you know, how effectively I've heat adapted. I'm only just getting started. These are just short little bouts, but they seem to already be working. And it seems like you can use your car as a, as a starting point, right? So every time you get in it, you, um, you make it oppressive in your car. They're just short little bouts though. Right. And then, uh, um, as you get closer to race day, you can do longer and longer and during your workouts, there, there's a little bit of conflict that I'm having with, um, with doing it with workouts because you want your workouts to be high quality, right? Um, so do you want to do heat training during your workouts, which kind of ruin your workouts? Or do you want your workouts to be just optimal conditions and then um, you heat train outside of your work outside of your workouts? I think theoretically you would do that. Um, and Let's see, uh, yeah, the, the heater in the car, uh, windows rolled up at my, at my, uh, job, I'm wearing like layers and extra layers and jackets. Um, first, a couple days ago, oh, I just felt a drip of sweat down my, this, my side. <laughs> and, uh, a couple days ago, I was wearing a, a long sleeve shirt, right? When I, when the building was already warm 
and dealing with that all day. And then I upped it. I upped my game a little bit to um, a long sleeve shirt and a jacket, you know, uh, all day yesterday. And today, now it's a t-shirt, long sleeve shirt, and a jacket. And um, and being and I'm noticing that um, what used to bother me. I'm not. I'm trying to zero in on this. And is it? Is it uh, you make yourself so miserable or you just make yourself just on the edge of where it's kind of hot to you? And then uh, gradually, day after day, you know, you like you increase it just a little bit and a little bit and a little bit so that you're not pouring in sweat. Right. But if you look back over a week, um, uh, the end of the week, you're way more tolerant of heat and it's not making you pour in sweat where at the beginning of the week if you were in that same situation you would have been sweating like crazy at first right so um over the next podcast we're getting so close to Ironman Texas that we're going to really start covering that and uh getting more into that along with all the the um, the Sammy stuff the Sammy Inkinen stuff in this podcast plus some in the next one okay and uh that's it so let's uh let's roll into the training log and Yeah, man, I can't wait to bring this one to you. It's got a lot of cool stuff in it. All right, here we go. The training log. Hey, wait, before we do the training log, I just remembered something. (laughs) My Sunto Ambit has a thermometer right on it. And the Ambit's, like we were talking about, such a nice watch. You want to wear it all the time. It is 96 degrees in my car. And I've had one drop of sweat. And that was on my my abs over here, you know, my gut. And um, I still haven't started sweating on my brow yet. Right and and there's no airflow in the car. All the windows are rolled up, and I'm in here, and um, and I oh it just went up to 97 degrees. So the the temperature is climbing. So imagine right now that you could sit in 97 degrees and be okay. I'm not. I'm on the edge of being comfortable right now. Like I'm okay. It's really weird. I'm okay, and I've taken um, I don't know like half a week or something to get to this point. And yeah, so lots more of this coming up in the next podcast. Okay. <laughs> Now, let's get started with the training. Here we go. You are entering the Zentrite training log zone. Kuneli. Hi, everybody. My name is Brett. I'm a triathlete. I decided it's time I got some friends more suited to my status. But, Joe, we've been friends for years. Hey. We all make mistakes. Come on, dudes, let's go exercise! Exercise! Yeah. I'm gonna do sit-ups till I poop myself! Welcome to another episode of the Training Log. Start it. April 21st. I almost said 2004. 2014. I remember 2004. Alright, leaving the pool. And... <clears throat> it's Monday morning. And because last weekend was just epic training, I did, um, this morning I had the energy to go swim, um, you know, which is upper body, and this weekend was almost all lower body, so it's fine. And this is really interesting, this is my third time to do um, paddles and bands together, and holy crap. I swam a couple minutes. I think I swam 100 yards, maybe 150, um, without anything except my swimsuit and goggles and cap. And um, uh, just to kind of, you know, get a feel for the water and actually really to make sure my goggles aren't leaking because once you put paddles on, it's really hard to use your hands to adjust things. And 
then, um, what did I do? Uh, then I put on the, the paddles and then I put on my ankle band, my leg band and, uh, started swimming and swam, uh, 50 minutes, five Oh, um, I would have swam long, a little bit longer, but the pool. All right, I'm back. Uh, <clears throat> that was Emily calling about Kai. He's not feeling good. So, um, so, uh, warm up, you know, without anything is good. Make sure my goggles aren't leaking and then, um, then swimming in it. God, it is a workout and it feels like it takes forever. And, um, but after a while, I mean, you get into a groove and you start figuring it out, you know, it's really cool. And then, uh, once I got the, um, I was about to get out of the water, so I swam, I took everything off, and then swam, um, what is it, uh, uh, I swam 100, I think 150 yards again, without all that stuff, and holy crap, man, like, there is a huge difference, it makes you feel like you're swimming like a torpedo, it's like completely... It completely fixes so many problems that you've been doing. Um, so I was talking in the locker room with a guy and um, about, he said he doesn't use paddles because it hurts his shoulders. And I said, well, actually, <laughs> well, actually, with the um, shoulder issue, you actually, the pa paddles fix uh, a few more things that aren't shoulder related at all. So you don't, if you don't pull very hard, um, and hurt your shoulders, you can actually work on some other stuff. The paddles are flat in your hands, right? So, um, if you don't enter the water correctly, well, then the paddles go all freaking crazy sideways. So, it fixes your hand entry to be straight and flat. And, um, I mean, it perfects it. Or else your, your arm... If you enter your arm and you don't enter that hand right, your arm will shoot off all over the freaking place. And then, um, it, I mean, it's crazy. And then also on your pull, if your hand isn't flat, um, pulling back, uh, you know, perpendicular to the water, to the bottom, then um, your hand will shoot off sideways again. And I noticed I'm weaker in my left in my left hand. I've got a little bit of nerve damage in my left arm, and so I'm not quite as strong. And so my hand's kind of wobbly. And also I'm right-handed, you know. So my left hand's kind of wobbly a little bit compared to my right. And I've noticed that uh, just in three sessions, I've fixed um, my hand doing all kinds of weird stuff. And I'm gonna let this guy go. I'm gonna let you get on your crazy contraption trailer thing and then uh, let's see so you can preserve your shoulders just not pull as hard but work on your hand entry and that's what the uh, paddles can do for you and then um to uh oh and i was also bilateral breathing the whole way and um what's the other thing uh you're took all the stuff off and I started swimming and my legs were so much higher in the water after you know fighting against it so much with the uh, ankle band on 
And again, I was for an ankle band. I just grabbed a handkerchief and tied it uh, tight around my uh, ankles and um, uh, and then tied it in a square knot, which is pretty funny. If you stand up in the pool, <laughs> you can't move your legs. I actually fell down in the pool because my legs were tied together. But anyway, that's um, ankle bands and. Um, it, you can you can choose how hard you pull with the shoulders, and you get a much better muscle workout. And make your shoulders stronger, and triceps and all that stuff, forearms, fingers, all that. Um, than if uh, you were just swimming regular, it's really crazy. So that's it. We'll see what happens today. Out, Bing. All right, we're back. <laughs> I'm in Emily's car, and <clears throat> she's she's um. She's taking my car today because at some point today she's got to take uh, Kai to uh, bike practice and she's going to throw Kai's bike on the back and my car's the one with the uh, with the uh, roof rack on it. Man, I need to turn on some. I don't have this car down. I need some defrost and oh my gosh, she's beating this car to to death. I don't even know what's going on here. I need a fan. She turns everything off in the car because her dad taught her turn everything off in your car well, that's like old cars ones with the crank on the front <laughs> our driveway is like flat she puts on the parking brake all the stuff for an automatic I'm like, oh, it drives me nuts man okay anyway I love my Zentri nurse anyway um, had some really cool training stuff happen really not cool but uh, very useful to share as it's happening I'm always like man I need to tell people about this so um, let's see over Easter weekend Friday Saturday and Sunday I logged something like uh, three and five and five what is that 13 hours in three days right and so that's if you if you stretch that out to you know six seven days like a week's worth of training that'd be 26 27 you know 30 hours of training if that was if that was kept up right so it just shows you like uh, holy crap that was a lot of training to do all at once and um, I was so cooked that I managed to go swim Monday morning and then that was it um, Monday afternoon I did nothing Tuesday morning yesterday morning today's Wednesday yesterday morning I got up and tried to get on the bike and my workout showed that I biked for 12 minutes <laughs> I got on the bike and I started pedaling and I wouldn't laugh at it at the time I was like because it takes a lot of effort you know to get up and, and get going and put on your stupid cycling kit and everything and and uh try to try to get rolling there and um Oh my God, that reminds me of something else bad happened. And uh, then you just fail, you know? Now, uh, some of us, a lot of us, and also previous Brett, uh, and I'm not saying I'll never do it again, but would just, you know, push through it. And I've learned to go, ah, no way, man. Like, I'm not. It's still a hard decision to make, though. You know, because you've spent all that time and your bio, your biological clock, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, I'm not having babies. But the uh, 
It's like, get up, come on, let's exercise. You've been doing this for, for weeks and months. Come on, let's go, you know? And it is just not happening. The legs are sore, you've got no energy. And um, so uh, I, I did a 12-minute workout and then just cashed out. I go, that's it. And uh, I was like, I feel terrible. And um, then stopped. Um, so... Um, a, a advice that keeps ringing in my head is Mike Ritchie, who was one of my former coaches, um, one time said that if he gets on the bike and his power numbers aren't above a certain number right from the beginning, he just doesn't even, he doesn't even exercise. He goes, I'm done. And he's done like a 420 or something like that half Ironman. I've done a 440. He's done a 420, which is really impressive, you know? And he, uh, Uh, what was the other thing? Um, so anyway, the whole point is it's okay. Wait, I need to check the battery on my thing. Okay, we got some battery left. Uh, we've uh, You shouldn't work out when your body is already cashed out. You're not improving it. In fact, you're, you're lengthening the time between, between um, your your last good workout and your next good workout you're gonna to have to recover and this is a really great way to overtrain is to just keep going and keep going you just get more and more tired and um so i didn't i haven't done anything for a couple days and um it inspired me to re-look up sammy inkinen's training log there's a blog post that he's done first overall age grouper at hawaii sub nine hour Ironman training on 12 to 15 hours a week at most and just rereading through his thoughts you know of when you get you train until you get tired and then you stop and then you recover and then you train until you get tired and then you stop and you recover and that's kind of individual uh, per person but you treat it just like weightlifting. You just train until you get tired, and then you then you then you're done, you know. And he would do long bike rides and stuff, but um, but paying really close attention to his own body signals, and and um, and that's the big thing. You don't want to replicate somebody's genius, you know. You want to replicate somebody's um, insight, and somebody's you you don't want to replicate somebody's exact behavior. Uh, but you want to replicate somebody's passion and somebody's general rules and then apply it to your own life and use it to inspire you. And uh, because I may get tired, I get tired doing different sports sooner than others, you know, um, than, than another person does. Okay, so then anyway, um, what was really cool was Monday evening I got to teach cycling uh, uh, belt loop to the Cub Scouts, uh, Kai's Cub Scout Den. Had uh, three or four kids, and uh, and they all know how to ride bikes except for one. One of them's nine years old and can't ride a bicycle, and it's so frustrating, you know. But also, you got to be uh, sympathetic and like his mom said, oh, his dad passed away, and they lived in a place where there was just no place to ride a bike, you know. And I'm and she kept you know apologizing and explaining, and I'm like, Dude, you don't have to keep telling me that. I'm not judging. <laughs> Uh, shit happens, man. You know, there's a lot. I can't play a freaking piano. You know, I don't know that the uh, uh, the. Uh, but a cool thing was when I was in the corps at military school. Uh, when I was in the corps at A and M, and 
very much so what I'm about to say, but also at military school, kind of like this, they really, really stress you and your buddies. You and your buddies are your, are your team. It's very much like SEAL training and uh, uh, that, and SEAL is uh, Navy Special Forces in a way. So um, you never leave your buddy behind. I mean, it's insane in the Corps how much they, they stress this. You can't go anywhere without a buddy. And uh, when you're a freshman, and, and it's just nuts, absolutely nuts. If your buddy does something, you have to do it too. It's, it's <laughs> no matter how idiotic it is, then you can get away with something as long as there's two or more of you doing it, you know. And the worst thing you could possibly do is get caught without a buddy um, in the hallway of the of the dorm barracks, uh, in, you know, in the shower, or whatever. You gotta have a buddy with you at all times, walking somewhere, and uh, it's really bizarre. Um, how much they stress it, but after a while you get used to it. So the kids, the other two or three kids that can ride a bike, just like Kai, you know, whatever, just start taking off. And I go, whoa, 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 whoa. No, you've got a buddy here that can't ride a bike. Well, you've got to stick with your buddies. And it just came out of me, like, just so naturally um, uh, to, to reinforce this in them. And I go, he's one of your buddies. He's a den mate. He's in your den. He's a fellow Cub Scout. You, he does not know how to ride a bike. Can you guys imagine what it would feel like to not ride a bike? And they're like, no. And I'm like, well, this is your buddy. He's in trouble. He needs to learn how to ride a bike. We're all going to work together as a team. We're going to sacrifice. Work as a team to help your buddy learn how to ride a bike. And we spent half an hour, 45 minutes out there with him. Um doing all the little tricks and all and the kids all around them you know cheering them on and showing them what to do um, and how they do it and uh, to ride a bicycle and by the end I took the training wheel I got my tools out took the stupid training wheels off of his bike lowered his seat so that he could push along with his feet and um, and got him to the to the point you can't learn to ride a bicycle in one day you kind of need to step away from it and let it saturate in your brain overnight and then, um, and then come back and visit day after day. So I wasn't expecting a lot on day one. And we went, on day one, we got him riding um, where he could push off with his feet and kind of glide a little bit um, uh, and kind of self-balance the bike, kind of like a push scooter. And then I also got his mom convinced to uh, leave the training wheels behind and to push, to push the bike with his feet with no training wheels and then you're learning how to balance the bike first and then if you want to go faster well you're gonna have to pedal you know but until then just push with your feet and that's the whole point and that's how there was this little kid that's like two years old that was screaming around the uh cul-de-sac with his (laughs) on his push bike you know and i'm like uh uh look his name the the kid i was working with is quaid i'm like look quaid see yeah this little kid this little kid's doing it on a push bike see how fast he's going and see how he's doing it then um, that's how you that's how you do it, just like that. And there was other kids that all came out riding their bikes, you know. So it was just like a bicycle festival going on in that in that cul-de-sac. So then that was really really cool. And then um, what was the other thing? Uh, oh, they all came inside and they wanted to go jump on the trampoline in the backyard. And um, and then the dog got all excited because of the kids. And Kona, the big black lab, knocked over my uh, tri-bike, right? It fell over. It was in a carpeted living room. It just fell over with a bang. 
and then um, I had the bike out to kind of inspire them, you know, like, check out the, uh, the tri bike, this is a racing bike, you know, someday you guys can ride bikes like this, and um, turns out they weren't interested at all, I mean, they kind of liked it, but eh. it's so, anyway, the bike fell over, and there was a huge hush in the room, like, oh my god, Brett's gonna freak out, and Emily said something like, well, there goes the $8,000 bicycle, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, um, I was really, really cool about it. I was like, well, it fell over on carpet. You know, it's nobody's fault. It's the dog being excited, you know. So, no, I'm not mad at anybody, you know. And then um, later, when everybody had left, I thought, well, I'll give the bike a little once over and kind of just double check. Uh, brake levers and everything seemed to be fine, you know. And um, I... Uh, I go, holy crap. I looked at it. It has a zip VUCA uh, aero bars on it, which cost the bars, the handlebars on this bike cost as much as my my last tri bike did entirely. Just the handlebars, you know. Um, I think they're like $1,500 to $2,000 handlebars. And um, I didn't buy them myself. I got sponsored on a team, and we got we got these handlebars. I've had them for seven, eight years, you know, because uh, they're so freaking awesome and they're so expensive. I'm really paranoid about stuff happening to it, but I'm also very rational. You know, stuff happens uh, when you travel, and it's, it's a, they're all scratched up. And I've got stickers on them from Kai putting kids' stickers on them and stuff. I, I imagine you know they're eventually gonna gonna blow up. But anyway, um, the back tip this aerodynamic tapering tip on the right side cracked off and I was like oh crap you know and because I'm and I'm not really worried and Emily goes calm down you know stop yelling and I'm like I got a right to yell holy crap and um and I and then I told him uh I'm not I'm only pissed off if it affects it structurally you know, like if it makes the handlebars unusable, if it makes the hand, if, if I can kind of put some electrical tape over the thing and some molding putty and, you know, and like make it look like there's nothing wrong with it. And also it pisses me off about the resale value, you know, and I'm just like, uh, guys, just be careful around this bike. (laughs) You know, the, don't take it for granted. You know, you just roughhouse and everything around this bike. This bike is a little bit special, you know? And, um, they're, they're kind of delicate and they're really expensive. You know, it's kind of a work of art, like a vase, you know, and I don't want to be a a freaky dick about the whole thing and constantly screaming about the bike. I was very cool about the bike falling over. And when I thought nothing had happened to it, I didn't yell at anybody or, you know, freak out or anything. Um, but, uh, and if there's nothing, if I can still use these handlebars, I can... I can rationalize away, you know, well, it's a resale value is, you know, going to be crap on them, you know, um, because of a big crack on the back half. Um, but really what I'm worried about more than anything is riding them and that crack developing into a huge crack that eventually snaps off the whole freaking thing. And then I got to buy all new handlebars and, um, and we don't have money to buy stuff like that. You know, it's, these are like super, super nice, super expensive. And, um, that I didn't have money to buy in the first place. They were, um, you know, gifted as a sponsorship. So, um, so there's that with my bike. <laughs> and I'm trying to think what else. So, um, anyway, uh, 
Um, I got to go in and swim so I can get my swim in, but I've got more uh, training tips on uh, resting and just waiting and waiting and waiting until the, the body feels like it's come online, um, which it kind of feels like this morning. So we're going to test out with a swim, and then this evening I might do a bike ride if my legs feel better. Um, uh, but being patient and letting the um, the uh, the body feel the legs, the muscles that you're going to use feel like they're back to normal again, so that you can um, you know get in a good workout and uh, going more by feel. So all right, that's it. Out, Bing. All right, that. That was a good swim. I was successful at something today already. I haven't even gotten to work yet. <laughs> Yay. Oh, man. So I got in and I started swimming with, um, uh, I swam easy for a little bit, like a few minutes until I felt warmed up. And then I put on the, uh, the, uh, uh, um, the paddles and the ankle band. And I'm using a bandana that, a green bandana that Emily got for some color run. And um, it's new, so it bleeds color all over the freaking place. And how can I swim with it like three times now and it's still bleeding color all over? Um, so then, uh, what am I doing? Uh, I swam like that for a while. And the ankle, just wearing an ankle band will load you up with uh, a lot of extra work and then we're in the sh- the uh the uh, whatchamacallit the hand paddles will load up your shoulders even more and after a while after about half an hour of that i was just like all together with the warm-up and everything i was like this sucks man like my shoulders were straining uh too hard and i'm like i'm not improving myself here i'm just breaking breaking me down more than what i need it's too much so i um I took off the hand paddle. Well, I swam for a little bit with nothing on, and uh, except my swimsuit. <laughs> and then, um, and that felt nice for a few minutes to kind of let everything loosen back up again. And then I said, okay, we're going to try the ankle band, but no hand paddles. And I, uh, oh, and man, and swimming with nothing on after, after doing the hand paddles, ankle band is like, man, it's like you're a bullet train. It's freaking crazy. Um, your form is so different. And then anyway, so I swam with, just the ankle band, which is plenty hard in itself. And that was perfect. And so I swam like that for a while until it started to burn really bad, which was, but it wasn't like a, like a, a bad burn. It was like a good burn. And I was like, ah, this is nice. Like lifting weights. And then I, um, I took all that off and swam easy to kind of recover. Uh, I'm looking for, I need something to eat. What is this? I don't want that one. I want one with chocolate. I want that one. A kind bar. Has some dark chocolate in it. And um, I just grabbed whatever's in the pantry. Fat. And hold on. I got to open this. There we go. Ah. Mm. Oh. That's going to feel good in a minute. Um. So, yeah, one interval with just the ankle band and no hand paddles. And um, so it lasted, I don't know, let's say four, five, six, seven, eight minutes, right? Of threshold burn, but felt good. And then 
Um, then took off the ankle band and then swam without it for a while. And that helped me recover, just swim easy and um, for a few minutes. And then repeated that two more times. And it was just wonderful. It's For me, everybody's different, but for me, the... Um, the added resistance of the ankle band today, the added resistance of the ankle band was just right and doing intervals of it. And I finished out the hour with, um, Oh, I'm trying to merge the traffic. I finished out the hour with, uh, with, uh, getting out of the pool. Um, feeling like I got just a really good muscular workout, but without, uh, just killing my aerobic system, which doesn't need anything. I'm, I'm aerobically fit. I don't need to work that. I need to work my muscles to get my muscles stronger, but I need to be careful. So you dose with intervals. So that was really cool. Um, I wanted to mention that John Hurst sent me an email reminding me to do a really long bike ride with, with, um, with a really long run after it. And it was, the email was filled with all kinds of pagan, flaming goat skulls and stuff like that which he loves writing stuff like that so I felt happy for him that he got to be happy <laughs> and Saturday today's Wednesday Saturday that's on my plan to do a really long bike ride um, and a brick run we'll see what happens and uh, we're we're going to be three weeks out uh, starting uh, Saturday Sunday and then um, from our in Texas and then something else. Oh man, I'm feeling like crap because um, I pr- pretty much, in my guesstimation, did too much over Easter weekend, and it's taken me two, three days to recover from that. That's a little bit too much recovery needed. I probably shouldn't have gone that done that much. And um, in the meantime, while I'm trying to recover, I'm eating uh, just horribly because my body is just blasted so it's like it's needing calories to rebuild and it just happens to be I'm in um, uh, yesterday I'm in a most of the day meeting and it's a seminar kind of thing Um, and of course the vendors bring donuts and chocolate chip cookies and cokes and stuff like that and um, I ate a lot of my calories yesterday were, were healthy but at times I could just I was just starving and then I would I would have to eat something and I'm having to pay attention and the only thing laying around is um, is uh, donuts you know so I ate uh, donuts I ate two donuts yesterday and a um, and a couple of chocolate chip cookies I think it was probably and some ice cream when I got home probably the worst stuff that I ate that definitely that was the worst stuff that I ate and what's crazy is you can feel in the case of the donut, that you're actually, you eat it, and those, oh God, how many calories is a freaking glazed donut, you know? I mean, they're like huge in calories. But just half an hour later, you feel you feel hungry all over again because it goes through your system and peaks you out with energy and then crashes you back down. And that's how you end up getting fat is this these processed foods hit you hard and then they make you hungry again, like really, really quick. So, um uh, this morning, you know, I ate a normal, my normal little breakfast and went to go swim and just a few minutes into my swim, I'm like hungry all over again. And I'm like, God, man, this, you know, it really messes up your metabolism, but your metabolism, you can tweak it back. So, um, I'm not that worried about it. Um, 
Mm. Oh, that's good. What was the other thing? Um, I did the peanut butter thing before my swim this morning, and I think that really helped. Um, because as the swim went on and on and on, I only needed just the tiniest bit of fuel to feel better and to keep going. And I was going pretty hard there for a little while. And I was listening to Tawny Prezak uh, interview the guy that ran Boston Marathon this year. One of the one of the multiples of thousands that ran it. It was such a good interview. And um, God, his fueling for the marathon is just so so difficult for people to 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 do and um, i just listening to that going man that's just bizarre you know fueling on coconut oil and, and whatever I, I, I wish for me I could get that to work but I'm just like shaking my head look really low carb really isn't for me but I did want to mention that um, um, that my approach has been pretty successful in that, um, uh, instead of avoiding f- my, my basic approach, cause you gotta be gentle with yourself and changes take time, you know? And if you try to change too fast, you go into shock and it's not sustainable. So I'm like, well, what we'll do after trying it and too hard and failing is we'll just quit being afraid of fat and, um, put more fat in your uh, meals and just, you know, and then uh, just let it just let it be that, and then probably over time you'll need less carbs uh, while you uh, train, and you'll be able to fuel better and all that other stuff. And that's what I've been doing. So really, it's just um, going back to pre nineteen seventies nineteen eighties diet, where uh, when something says fat free, I'm like that's crap. When something naturally has a plenty of fat in it, I eat it. I don't try to take the fat out. And that ends up getting a lot more fat calories in your diet. So peanut butter, you know, whole milk. If you're going to drink milk, drink whole milk instead of low-fat milk. Um, Whole Greek yogurt, whole-fat Greek yogurt. Um, Don't worry. If you're going to eat meat, don't worry about meat, you know, trimming all the fat off of it and stuff like that. Just eat it. It's, you know, you need it. And, uh, you know, avocados and stuff like that. And I'm sure I am pot. I know for gosh, it's gotta be my fat intake in my daily diet has probably gone up, you know, 10 times of what it was, um, a year ago, or I don't know how long ago I started doing that. And, um, and I've actually lost weight and gotten more lean. It's really weird. Um, I think because I can, uh, my body's changing and it's it's tapping into the to, bo- to body fat because it sees fat as more of a fuel because it's exposed to it a whole lot more. And I'm, I'm not doing the up and down with the carbs as frequently. So anyway, that's it. I got to go into W to the ERK out. Bing. All right, it is uh, lunchtime on. <laughs> I'm thinking about something else. Hold on. It's lunchtime on Wednesday, and. Uh, I'm, I'm leaving free birds and I've noticed already that my appetite has decreased dramatically. I think that's a sign of recovery that when you need recovery, your body, you're just so freaking hungry. And today is the first day in three days where I'm not just trying to four days, maybe five days. I'm just not trying to consume calories left and right. 
or had me like, this is unsustainable, you know? Like, I can't train this much. Um, the amount of food I need to eat is just insane, you know? And, uh, and am I oxidizing my body, you know, until it's going to freaking fall apart? And anyway, so I've noticed that my, um, my nutrition requirements have dropped a bunch, which is good. And um, it's time to start going. I could probably start training harder again. And it reminded, I, last night I was looking at Sammy Inkinen's blog post that he made in 2011, the end of 2011, almost 2012, about training. And, um, and smarter training, quality training with more rest. And he was saying that uh, he uses RestWise and, uh, as a recovery tool to know when it's time to, to train again. And I went over to RestWise and looked at their little video on uh, how you fill out their form. You fill out their form every day. It takes like 30 to 45 seconds, they said. And that uh, one of the questions that it asks, and it tells you whether you're recovered or not, whether you should keep training or take a day off. And one of the questions it asked was, how hungry are you? Right? Because, and you do a sliding scale, you know, um, yeah, you know, there's like how much sleep that you got, how sore are you, but you know, what color is your pee? And then also how hungry are you? Um, and I'm like, yeah, that is something that I'm starting to learn is a metric for, um, how recovered you are and how, how stressed you are when you're stressed, you eat like crazy. I was really paying attention to that over the past couple of days because, um, with the lack of sleep, now you're trying to get by without, um, uh, with less energy because you didn't get your sleep. So now where are you going to get that energy from? Well, your body will start dipping into food as your energy because your, um, because your, your sleep isn't there. So that's why people who are sleep deprived, uh, overeat, um, because they're trying to push through and they don't have the energy to do it. So the body's like, well, I'm going to need extra calories to, um, to get this in. And a lot of times extra calories are junk calories. So it comes with a lot of nasty stuff and it's too much. And, um, and then you end up putting on weight pretty wild, huh? Anyway, that's it. <laughs> I like my show was described as a stream of consciousness. The training log part is just a stream of consciousness as I go out and train. That, that's what had me laughing. And it's totally true. All right. Out. All right, I am back, and I'm actually watching Kai ride his bike to school. <laughs> he just happens to be leaving the same time I am. He's on a road bike with a disc wheel. It's freaking hilarious, a little kid's bike. Anyway, um, man, I did something cool last night. I went out and I went out Strava hunting last night and got myself two podiums, two third places, KOMs. Well, I guess there's prince not king and that was super super cool man um i wanted to do wanted to do intervals last night on the bike and it was uh really windy from the uh, south and there's a segment that's 10 11 12 minutes long slightly uphill it's got a big downhill in it, but in general, it's a hundred and it's 141 feet of ascent built in, and um, 
over almost five miles. And what else does it do? It's a, um, yeah, so it's five miles. It's on the access road of the freeway, so no stop signs or nothing. And, and um, yeah, I went out and, oh, yeah, and I went from the south. That's what it was. And I wanted to do intervals anyway, so I'm like, oh, I can do a 10-minute interval. Ended up being 11 minutes on this thing and uh, see if I can uh, podium on this because I had fifth, sixth, seventh or something like that on it. And I was like, man, I want to, I want to, uh, I want to see if I can podium this baby. <laughs> it's so, it's, it's so wild, man, going Strava hunting. It's crazy. I, um, uh, you know, I'm on my time trial bike, tailwind. So I ended up, um, and really it, it's a combination of two things. The Strava hunting is the motivator but the actual workout was watts for, for those uh, 10 or 11 minutes. And I, um, I averaged 301 watts for um, 11 minutes, I think, and change, something like that. Oh, and I got something really cool to tell you about how to work with this. And then, um, what was the other thing? Uh, when I was all done with the workout, I went and downloaded it. And then uploaded it to uh, Strava, and I was um, third place. And actually, that long segment's made up of two segments. It's got a segment inside of it, and I ended up third place on both of them. So that was really, really cool. And Gary's in second. Dang it, <laughs> my nemesis around town. And uh, I was in uh, some guy. Some guy's done it in like ten minutes, almost ten minutes flat. Let's say. Let's say 10.15 or something like that. And then Gary's done it in 10.30, and then I did it in 10.44. Yeah, I think that's what it was. Anyway, I'm 14 seconds behind Gary to knock Gary out of second. And um, uh, and then, yeah, 301 watts for uh, 10 or 11 minutes. It's pretty cool. And um, I want more, though. But that was really cool to go out Strava hunting and download it. And... But, but so I did the, I did the 10 minute workout and then, um, I swung over by Kai's bike practice and then rode him home. It's about a three mile ride. And then went out and did two more intervals. I did a, I was planning on doing another 10 minute interval, but I couldn't, I, I kind of cooked myself and overdid it and did a, uh, when I hit seven minutes, I go, Oh, I'm done. Uh, I could just tell. I was like, that's enough of that. And I did, um, seven minutes at about 270 watts and then um and then i cruised around easy for a while and then did seven minutes again at 280 watts so i actually kind of picked up the energy level just a little bit and for fuel i was drinking just a little bit of honey in it um about 200 calories of maltodextrin altogether. if you're going to go really really hard you're going to blast through your um you know your quick acting fuel pretty quick you're doing interval work you need some uh, carbs, fast-acting carbs, or else your interval work workout will kind of suck. And so, let's see. Um, oh, what what was interesting was it hit me after the second interval, the one where I did seven minutes at 270 watts. Um, I finally got my head around. I got the feel for what Sammy Inkinen is talking about with um, doing test sets and kind of see where you're at. 
and treating bike workouts like um, like weightlifting. Like I've always had that idea and I always talk about that, but there's a particular way. I just felt like I was missing something and I didn't quite get it. And I've been searching, I've been hunting for exactly how to do it in a way that makes more sense. I got somebody right on my ass that's accelerating past me. And the uh, after that seven-minute interval of 270 watts, I was like, I got it. Got it. Okay. The, the time is reps. Let's say you're lifting weights and you do like 10 reps of, you're doing bench press. And you do... 10 reps of 200 pounds, right? And then you go back and you try to do 10 reps of 200 pounds, but you can only do 9 reps of 200 pounds, right? And you're like, okay, I can only do 9 reps of 200 pounds. I want to do more reps. So you do 10 reps of 180 pounds, right? And then you're done for a couple of days. Then you come back and and, uh, try to get stronger again. With um, minutes and watts on the bike, you do minutes are the reps, and watts is the weight. So basically it's like I, and you know, maybe you should treat it more like squats cause that's kind of a relative number. Okay. I'll go if you're not going to go. And you do, for me, I did 11 minutes of 301 pounds, right? Squats. And then after a long break, I did seven minutes seven reps of, of, um, 270 pounds, lots, right? So 11 minutes of 300 pounds, lots, I mean, 11 reps, minutes. (laughs) And I know it's hard to keep up. And then with me, it's hard for me to keep up with me. I'm kind of all over the place. And then finally I did seven minutes reps. Seven reps, minutes, of of uh, two hundred and eighty pounds watts, right? And so I'm just imagining, like in a weight room, I could totally remember that, and I've written it down. Actually, you know, I've got my workout sheet of what I'm doing, and then Sammy Inkinen says, "Don't go back into the weight as a weightlifter. You would never go back into the weight room and try to lift it again unless you were ready to beat it." You know, and that's how you get stronger. And um, so take off a couple days and then go, go try to do that three. Can you do that 300, you know, again? And um, so for running, I, I haven't done one yet, but I'm probably going to do one this evening. And it would be more like like if you're doing like individual bicep curls, you, you do a lot less weight, right? You do, you know, 15, 20, 30 pounds, something like that. And um, I might do, you know, minutes is still reps and then um, miles per hour, right? Because a lot, you can get your watch to show, you know, miles per hour and or kilometers per hour might be pretty good, but um, as your pace. So... waiting at the intersection there we go so I might do you know 10 or 15 minutes which would be reps of whatever 
miles per hour is the um, is the uh, is the speed, and then that's just like working out in the gym. And that's so basically, you treat training like gym work, and you got to figure out a way that makes sense to you where the the uh, sets are actually um, numbered weights, and the time is intervals or repetitions. I mean, <sighs> I know I'm kind of all over the place. I I'm uh I did a lot of work on my bike this morning. I got a uh, kind of kind of early and did um oh that's a cool jeep and did what i do oh i fixed my bike fell over and i cracked off the carbon fiber on the the end of the bar ends well i took a sugru s-u-g-r-u which is moldable rubber that when you take it out of the package the little packet it's soft and pliable like play-doh and then it it um hardens into silicone um as the uh, carrying agent dries out, and um, I put that on the, and it's black. I happen to have some black. You can get it in different colors, and the black matches the carbon on my zip handlebars. And I put that on there this morning. And then there was a creaking in my bike every time I took a pedal stroke on the left side. 99% of the time, that's in your seat post. And I took out my seat post, and. Um, trying to park i took out my seat post and uh, cleaned it as as well as i could and um it was just super super grimy and when we did the uh spain trip it was um there was a dirt road leaving the house and it rained a couple a bunch the first couple days and um so i got grime all down in my seat post and it normally wouldn't go down in the seat post except that we packed and unpacked the bikes for the spain trip and so stuff got in there. And so I spent forever this morning cleaning that cleaning that out. All right, I got to go. I got to bre- get breakfast to work today. So I got a bunch of work to do. I got to pick up tacos, deliver them, and then I got to go to another building across town for more work. All right, out, Bing. Okay, I got the tacos. I forgot to mention, I'm going to try out RestWise, which is a website, RestWise, where you log in your metrics in the morning, and it calculates um, whether or not you should keep training or not and um, it's free for the first month but then it's 19 something bucks every month and I'm kind of like but Sammy uh, Sammy mentioned that it was his key to um, success and this guy is the um, in 2011 he won while he was amateur uh, first over amateur at Wildflower first over amateur at 70.3 70.3 World Championships, and uh, at at Kona, uh, Hawaii Ironman World Championships, he went sub nine hours and was second overall in the world. And so I, uh, I'm gonna kind of follow his advice. That sounds like uh, he kind of knows what he's doing. <laughs> Anyway, that's it. All right, bang. Oh, I do. Um, I do have a little bit more. <laughs> anyway, um, starting yesterday, and the reason I did intervals is I started feeling a little bit more recovered. My um, appetite started coming back down, 
and uh, and then this morning my appetite felt way more normal and all that that digging a little bit too big of a hole with a little bit too much working out I gained four pounds of overeating trying to you know trying to it was got man it really pissed me off um, but I decided not to you know not to feel too guilty about it and not to feel too much like a failure and punish myself mentally and emotionally for for um, for having to overeat um, the the Zen thing is to you know just you are what you are and you're at where you're at <laughs> and, and do the do the best that you can to um, to be okay with it and then uh, let yourself kind of heal up so you can uh, you can address the um, the issue at hand so I'm like well you know I know what's going on I'm now starving because I'm uh, because I'm working out so much and I guess let's go ahead and eat to try to to try to you know get out of it and then as you can gently correct course and don't uh, punish yourself or don't feel like a failure and um and yeah so now I'm back on track and I thought it was really interesting one of the questions that RestWise asked me this morning was what's my appetite like that's an indicator of uh of uh, you know how how much recovery you need, and I wrote, oh, it seems to be kind of normal. And um, yeah, peak color appetite, resting heart rate. My resting heart rate, I tested it twice. One time it was forty, another time it was forty-eight. So I put in forty-four, and because I'm like forty sounds a little nuts. <laughs> then um, then what else did they ask? Heart rate. Uh, appetite soreness muscle soreness how many hours of sleep did you get yesterday last night and yesterday including naps they wanted to know and Monday and Tuesday I was having to take naps I was so tired and yesterday I didn't need to take a nap anymore because I wasn't um, I wasn't uh, so exhausted anymore and so it gave me a score of 80% recovered and it said it's 8 out of 10 and it said you can go ahead and keep training today it's alright I was like oh cool and that's one of the reasons I'll probably do uh, run intervals tonight. All right, that's it. Out, B. All right, I'm on my way to the pool. It's Friday morning. I meant to record last night because I had a couple cool things happen and and uh, forgot to get around to it, I guess. Emily and Kai started watching The NeverEnding Story last night. And I freaking hate that movie because the only times I ever noticed it was on was when he was flying around on that stupid dragon. And I know I'm being uh, I'm, I'm being uh, a horrible person to those of you that love that movie, but that's all I could remember is, is him sitting on the back of this dragon, well, this flying dog that would move too slowly, like, hello, well, that's why you're dirty, dear. And they're moving super slowly, and none of it makes any sense at all. Ugh. So last night I started, while they were watching it, I started uh, Googling it and wikipedia it, and, and now it all makes sense. It's German. That's why. That's why it's completely freaking bizarre. And um, that's pretty much it. And I can say that because I am, uh, I don't know, a third German. Or Blankner is German. It's Blanken. Blanken uh, von Blanc. Uh, the the uh, 
southern German uh, von Baron von Prince of uh, the White the White Baron actually is where we're from uh, is where the Blankners are from. Uh, we were run out of southern Germany. We had a, a castle apparently or something. And our uh, I don't know. Anyway, Kai and I joke about uh, starting von Blanc Racing as our uh, as our team would be pretty cool. So anyway, there was all that going on, and I got distracted, and I couldn't do the training look. <laughs> and also, I started editing a podcast last night, and um, Tawny said something horrible on a podcast, and I had to edit it out. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> but that happened. That's why every time I do a phone interview, I'm like, so was that good? And then a while, a while later, they're like, um, hey, that thing I said, take that out. And I'm like, all right, cool. <laughs> because I'm always editing me out, so it's all right. What you are experiencing is an augmented reality. And where were we? Oh, so check this out. The past couple nights, I've managed to um, be a super dad, which is really cool. It's hard to do in today's world. And um, what did I do? Let's see, what was it? I mixed in. Kai has triathlon practice. Um, uh, College Station runs north and south along a freeway. Um, It's a college town. It's called College Station because it used to be a train station where um, people got dropped off to to, to go to college. And it's a war college of sorts. Started off and the train station lasted as long as when I was a freshman, I picked up my girlfriend from the train station coming in from Dallas. It was one way to get here. It's not that common, but uh, you could still. Um, and the uh, the freeway was built, you know, way after the... But it runs kind of parallel to the rail, to the rail line. And uh, my neighborhood, my subdivision that I live in is on the west side on one side of the freeway and Kai's triathlon practices on the other side of the freeway. We're talking overpasses, four lanes, not six lanes yet, but four lanes. Oh, I'm going kind of fast. Uh, hold on. There we go. Put on cruise control. And uh, it's four lanes, overpass, and then uh, another huge subdivision on the other side of the freeway uh, where they go practice. So, uh, a couple times now, three times maybe, but definitely two times, I've showed up at his practice on my bike when his practice is over, and I go, congratulations, we're riding bikes back home. It's like, across the freeway? I'm like, yeah, just follow me. I'll be, uh, I'll be Mama Duck or Daddy Duck, and you just follow me. And I figure, you know, after a few times, he'll get it down. And then I was thinking last night, what's going to be really scary is in a few years, he'll be like... Emily will go pick him up and he'll be like, I'm riding my bike home. And he'll be this huge kid, you know, like a teenager. And I've done this to my mom many times where she's like, what? And I'm like, yeah, just follow me. I got it. (laughs) Watch, hold my Gatorade while I do this, you know, it's hold my beer in the South, but it's, I guess as a triathlete, it's hold my Gatorade while, while I do this. And so, um, see today's Friday so Wednesday evening he had bike practice and I rode my intervals that I did on the bike 
I finished an interval and ended up at his bike practice and rode easy with him back to the house, dropped him off at the house, and then went and did another interval, right? So I mixed in being a dad and running errands, which is picking Kai up as the errand from, from practice, in with my bike workout, right? Like, in it fully integrated. And then... Um, so I dropped Kai off at the house after, you know, biking with him back to the house from this, this other subdivision under the freeway and said, um, uh, all right, Emily, here he is. I've delivered the, we call it the football because if you're the president, the football is the suitcase that uh, gives you the nuclear command codes to, um, to, uh, launch missiles and that's called the football. And so, uh, we say that I've delivered, I've got, who's got the football? Kai's the football. And when we first started saying that and Kai was listening, he was like, what? This is years ago. He's like, I'm not playing football right now. It's like, no, you are the football. Um, cause somebody's always got it with them handcuffed to them. Okay. So back to the point of the story. Um, last night, Emily and I weren't arguing. We were discussing about who was taking Kai and who was picking him up for triathlon practice. And in the back, back of my mind, well, I said, I can't pick him up. I'll be in the middle of a run workout. And she's like, well, but this is my yoga thing. I only get to do it once a week and da-da-da-da-da, yada-yada-yada. And in the back of my mind, I had a solution. And I'm like, I'll figure it out. Don't worry about it. I'll get it done. If you can't go get him, I'll figure it out. So... I dropped him off and then at 5.30, right, I need to eat something if I'm going to go do a run workout. So I went and ran, or I went and ate, and then I went back to the house and ate, and I'm, uh, after you eat, you don't want to run right after you ate, but I'm kind of piddling around the house doing nothing, you know, uh, coaching actually is what I was doing, and then, um, let my food digest and then I hop on I start getting dressed for my for my evening run and I'm trying to decide am I going to drive over and get them right in the middle of my run or I look on Google Maps and I measure the distance between my house and where he's doing triathlon practice and it's two and a half miles and I'm like okay here's my theory I'll run over there and then warm up you know the first whatever minutes of my run is a warm up and then I'll start doing intervals and I'll time it so that I finish an interval right as his practice is wrapping up. And then I'll, uh, then he can ride, we'll turn around and he can ride his bike back to the house and I'll run while he rides his bike. And he's cool. You know, he'll be like, all right, I'll uh, tag, I'll tell him, be cool. <laughs> I know I'm not right running bike speed, but I'll do an interval on the way back. And it's, you know, at some point during the way back and that'll, um, that'll at least get me home a little bit faster. So, so I start doing that and yeah, it worked. And, um, Kai's got a disc wheel on the back of his bike and he can't have it on for the race. The coach called and asked, so we got to get the disc wheel removed. They thought they had the tool to do that at Kai's practice when I picked him up and yeah, I show up at practice. This is becoming a routine. He looks at me and he's like, how are we getting home? said you're riding your bike and I'm running and he's like okay cool I guess I could do that 
And he said, what, I'm gonna, what am I going to do with my disc when we take it off? At the, after practice, they were going to take it off. And uh, I said, I don't know. We'll hide it behind a shed or something, and then I'll pick it up later tonight or on my way to swim in the morning. And he said, uh, okay, have faith in your dad. Your dad's crazy. Your dad's got ideas. So we, uh, what do we do? Um, they tried, they had his bike up on a stand, the coaches, trying to get that disc off. And they couldn't get the cassette, the cogs off the uh, rear wheel to get the disc off. So we just left it on. And now I said, I'll, I'll swing by the bike shop with it on Friday during lunch and uh, I'll get them to take it off and that was last night oh so uh, I ran home with them okay dude you can go it's okay you can use the the engine in your car to move it forward it's all right and the uh, so we ran home and partway through my run I did a 15 minute interval and then Kai's turned into me. He's like all encouraging. He's like, you got it, dad. You can do it. You're looking great. I'm like, he's just saying that. He doesn't know whether I'm looking great or not. It's just funny. I don't know. I'm just laughing to myself. Uh, he cracks me up. And uh, I drop him off at the house and Emily goes, you ready for dinner? And I go, nope, I still got more to go. I got one more interval uh, to do. And I went out and ran another 20 minutes and I ran by Nancy doing her boot camp. It's just like, you know, classic family life uh, going on in endurance in endurance world, and uh, then I get back to the house, and then I start snacking on dinner. Actually, I had a little glass of wine. I was looking for a beer, but there wasn't any. And I drank a. I don't like wine all that much, though, so I drank a wine, and then um, uh, and then this morning, on my way to swim, I. Uh, well, I got up kind of early, and um, so I edited a podcast, and then now I've got Kai's, I'm on my way to swim practice, I'm stuck at a light, and I've got Kai's bike on the back of my car, and at lunch, I'm going to probably buy new Bluetooth headphones, mine seem to be uh, blowing out, and I'm going to, what else am I going to do? Oh, I'm going to take Kai's bike by the bike shop, and that is my life right now so i will be back after the swim out bing all right swim done and i've had a a revelation if you want to keep people from tailgating you get a bike rack put it on the back of your car and then hang a cheap bike off precariously (laughs) so that it looks like it may fly off at any second Oh my God! All these cars are like trying to get around me. I know it's on there, fine, but they don't know that. So, um, and then I spent after I was done swimming, I spent probably five minutes wandering around the locker room looking for my face cream. I've got Michael Jackson disease going on on my face a little bit. Um, forgot what it's called, but the uh, where the skin pigment's lightening in little spots, kind of here and there. I'm not sure if it's because when I went vegan, I wasn't eating enough fat protein and my my skin rebelled it goes bah but anyway I've got this face cream I put on and then I put it on and then I was like okay well I need to put the face cream in my uh in my little ditty bag for my swim bag and then I couldn't find it and I'm like how did I lose it in this 20 by 20 room (laughs) 
could not find it for the life of me. There was that. So then, uh, what did I do? Um, oh, I, uh, was about to start swimming and I felt shaky and I've had this many times before, uh, about to work out and feeling a little bit shaky. And I think I've deduced what it is. It's a breakfast that is, um, low in carbs, um, and high in protein and fat. <clears throat> and what that does is now your body's having to recruit, recruit blood sugar, you know, to digest the blood and fat, the blood and fat, the, uh, the protein and fat. And, um, you didn't eat much carbs to start with. So it doesn't have much to work. It doesn't have much to work with. And coupled on top of that, two cups of coffee and coffee, caffeine, from what I understand, one of the ways it gives you extra energy is it accelerates the metabolism of your blood sugar, of glucose. And um, so I just burned through what I had even faster. And so I was about to get in the water and uh, was shaky, shaky. And um, uh, for a fuel bottle, I'd made a squirt of honey and a scoop of maltodextrin. So I sipped on that some and then felt better as the swim went on. I leave it at the end of the lane and uh, swam better. And then as I, uh, I got in the pool and I started swimming, my warm-up a lot of times consists of me just fighting with my goddamn goggles because they, you know, they'll leak. And it's a combination of the goggle interfacing with the swim cap just a little bit. And it gets that little seam where the swim cap covered and like contacts the goggle edge a little bit. It kind of lifts it off and then... So I spent five minutes probably back and forth, stopping, adjusting my goggles, stopping, adjusting my goggles, swimming, and then the goggles filling with water again and, and uh, stopping. And it's so frustrating because sometimes it doesn't happen at all and then sometimes it happens a lot to the point where I finally, I was, I was mid-lap mid and I just stopped in the middle of the pool and ripped off my goggles and, and uh, swim cap and started all over again. Put my swim cap back on, put my goggles on, and then all of a sudden it started working better. I'm like, golly. But I mean, that's, I was like, well, it's okay, sort of, because it's just your warm up and you're just kind of fooling around anyway. But then after that was done, so it was 10 minutes easy, which was my warm up, fighting with my goggles, and then making sure finally that my goggles sat correctly, and then uh, 10 minutes um, swim band. And so you tie, I tie a handkerchief around my ankles and then swim. And, uh, and then I alternated 10 minutes, easy 10 minutes swim band for the uh, rest of the hour. So I ended up with 30 minutes total of, uh, swim band time. And man, I like it a lot. It is so perfect for me. It feels like I'm climbing a rope, you know, at a, uh, at a gym where you're climbing a rope up a tree or something and um, it's really good upper body work and then after 10 minutes of that I take a break and um, swim easy without it and put to work you know what the ankle band thing taught me and, and see what happens all right I'm at W to the ERK I gotta go out bang hello hello all right I'm in the Freebirds parking lot with the grackles again. Might be able to hear them in a second after all the motorcycles go by. Hold on. I'm getting into Emily's car. I got a good ride review today. I'm getting into Emily's car, which is fun to drive around because it's got a pink 
26.2 sticker on the back and, a, and it says running mom <laughs> with a girl with a ponytail running on it I'm sitting here six foot six foot three driving this thing around town but she took my car to get Kai to his triathlon which we'll have on the we'll have on the show tomorrow and uh, get that posted I'm really excited about how well put this these keys down and this drink down here how well um the soundcloud web server stuff is for the podcasting is working out and uh i've uh you know i can embed an audio player on zentrathlon.com it costs 15 bucks a month so your donations are being used uh, very nicely what i got i got something oh i used um uh, your donations to the show, it costs 10 bucks to get Kai's disc wheel off of his bike. Um, we tried using tools to get it done and uh, couldn't get it done and uh, had to take it to the bike shop. And they charged 10 bucks in labor to get that thing off. It took about 10, 15 minutes. So I paid for it with the, uh, the Zentri PayPal credit card. In fact, got a, PayPal will give you a credit card tied to your, uh, to your account. I think it's a MasterCard or something. Comes right out of the PayPal. Anyway, I went for a... Um, I'm trying to get out of this parking lot. I went for a four-hour bike ride today, which went really well. I went too hard. I shouldn't have gone as hard. I've also taken some time, scaled back the training some. Um, and that's why I'm leaving Freebirds right now. Um, I was having to eat so much. It was driving me crazy. And I was, uh, eating foods that weren't good for me because I just needed so many calories. Um, and I was really unhappy with that. And I gained for like five pounds in like a week from just eating crap. Um, cause I don't own that much nice food. <laughs> so, um, but anyway, First thing I noticed is I got my appetite back under control, and when I went to Freebirds today, I got a salad, which I haven't done that in a long time. So that was really nice to uh, to be able to do that. You gonna let me over? Man, people are confused the way you drive sometimes. Anyway, I uh, so I got a I got a salad on spring mix with a little bit of rice, some steak in it and um, black beans and then she, she goes do you want anything you want any sauces or anything on it and I said yeah I'll have some uh, habanero and she goes okay tell me to say stop or say when when it's enough and she you know started just dumping habanero and habanero is like crazy hot but I love it it tastes great started dumping habanero all over it and uh, I go okay stop and she didn't hear me there's music playing in there and so she just kept going <laughs> so I was like, ah, crap. No, that's enough. Anyway, um, so my mouth is just on fire right now. My lips are burning. And anyway, four-hour bike ride, like I was saying, I probably went a little bit too hard. But I went 80, 83 miles. I went like four hours and two minutes or something like that. But I, um, I uh, what did I do? I... I averaged uh, 20.7 miles per hour, and I compared it to a bike ride two weeks ago, where 
I rode just a little bit shorter. I ran, I uh, rode like 80 miles and averaged 20.3. So basically half a mile per hour faster over a really long distance. Um, and the ride I did today had more uh, climbing in it. I had a, like 500 more feet of up uh, during the ride. So that's good. Good stuff, man. I'm really excited about that. And it's actually uh, hotter today than it was the other ride. But as we're getting closer to Ironman Texas, I started doing a little bit of heat training. Um, right on the edge of needing to do heat training. We're three weeks out. And you need to start doing it about two weeks out. Um, but I decided to kind of try something. So I have an Amrita Bars um, long sleeve jersey. So even though it was 80 degrees, <laughs> I wore a long sleeve jersey. And I wore uh, long full-fingered gloves. And that was an experience. Um, I figured that was enough to make the ride warm like really really warm but still get a good workout in without you know ruining my workout and I could take the gloves off if I needed to and um, I dropped my bars twice (laughs) because the gloves were too slick they're not cycling gloves they're just uh, glove liners and uh, so I dropped my glove I dropped my food twice I had to stop turn around and go get it and I dropped my salt pills once and oh man uh, almost fell off my bike because of the handlebars like slipping and sliding um, because wrong kind of gloves you know and I did something oh um, I've learned a trick in the past year half a year that's critical maybe just the past few months um, that's critical it's huge I think I've talked about it before is um if you're feeling, oh, well, a lot of it was from uh, Galveston. If you start feeling sick to your stomach, um, one of the ways that you get sick to your stomach uh, is because you're not drinking enough water with your fuel. And um, one purpose of doing a really long ride is to learn how to do the fuel. And as these months, if you're in the Northern Hemisphere, get hotter... um, if you start feeling sick to your stomach on a long workout, strongly consider upping your water and see if uh, that makes you feel better. And that's what I did. I said, man, I've been doing two and a half hours on uh, I was doing about 500 calories, 400 calories per hour. And uh, I'm a big guy, so you know, more calories for me. Yay, more money. <laughs> but... Um, and then after, and then after, you know, like two, I was two and a half hours in, maybe three hours, and I started feeling sick to my stomach a little bit. And I'm like, I was fine before. What's the problem now? And then I thought, uh, you know, I really haven't been drinking as much water just recently in the past half hour or so as I was before. Maybe that's it. So I drank a ton of water, and all of a sudden I felt a whole lot better. Not all of a sudden, you know, like ten minutes later. I was like, man, I feel great now. Cool. It was water. And now I'm getting to use the calories. So if you do it wrong, then you cut back on calories. Well, then guess what happens? You're not drinking enough water and you're not eating enough. And then you really blow up. Think about 
drinking more water. Oh, and I had my um, I had my jersey zipped all the way up to my neck in the front. No airflow. <laughs> Trying to get hot. Um, we're still three weeks out, and um, I don't know with tapering and everything. I'm not sure, you know, how many hot workouts I'm going to be able to get in. But I definitely might go sit in a sauna at the gym. I have a gym membership. I might go park myself in the sauna and uh, try to heat up and get really, really heat adapted. Um, and what else happened on that bike ride? Oh, well, we've got Kai's, Kai's got a triathlon in Austin tomorrow. We're going to go over there. And there's a person driving with their dog hanging out the front window. We got an email last night for the subdivision that a coyote um, ran into somebody's yard and killed a cat. And everybody's freaking out. And uh, I think I may have mentioned it before, but uh, a friend of mine saw a mountain lion uh, a week or so ago cruising around in somebody's backyard. (laughs) Somebody was cooking barbecue in their backyard and they have an open backyard that just opens up into wild somebody else's ranch, you know, maybe some barbed wire fence or something. And uh, so there's no like, I mean, it's, it's open land pretty much as far as Texas can do open land, which is not, it's all fenced off and private. But uh, open landish beyond their house, so you get. We've got uh, mountain lions down here. Uh, a lot of people don't know that, and just like a lot of people don't know that there's bears in Florida. <sighs> All right, I got the house to myself this evening. <laughs> oh man, what are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? All right, cool. That's it. Out, bang. Oh, I wanted to mention that um, because I cut back my volume just a little bit, I'm now able to eat. I mean, I already mentioned it a little bit, but it's nice, man. I can eat a salad, man. I get in some nutrition and get back on, back down to racing weight, maybe, hopefully. I'm not going to worry too much about it. And, um, you know, not need to take a nap every freaking three minutes. <laughs> oh, my God. But yeah, I'm mostly looking forward to being able to, you know, eat some, if, if, uh, if you're needing just tons and tons and tons and tons of calories, you know, you eat too many greens and fiber and stuff, then you, um, you can't get enough calories in because you fill up with fiber, but that fiber is good for you, man. It's super healthy. And if you eat a lot of greens, it's got a lot of vitamins and nutrition in it. And so I'm glad, I'm so glad I got a salad. It's so nice. It's nice. Nice. Ah, bang. All right, I am at my house Sunday mid-morning. What time is it? I'll look in a second. And it's 11.30. I got, I got Kona here. Let's go outside for a second. Although I am in my underpants. It is getting hot out here. Kona's running around. Now he's looking. Oh, you got a tennis ball. Well, that's just amazing. Yeah. Go get it. Okay, go get it. Watch it. Oh. Okay, bring it inside. You hear the wind chimes. Wind chimes saying the wind is from the south. If we get wind chimes, wind's from the south because wind chimes are on the south side of the house. Come on, buddy. And 
My latest entry is about my run. So I'm using RestWise, and it said, RestWise.com, and it said, you can keep training today, but just barely. It says you worked out pretty hard, but you're absorbing it well, which makes sense because I've been training forever. <laughs> so, um, And also, I just did that long bike ride, and that was it, 83-mile bike ride at 220 watts. That's a lot. And in the heat. Oh, and forecast for today. I don't think it's going to get there. But yesterday, I was looking at the forecast. This is what Texas is like. And we are in April. We aren't even close yet to the worst it can get. Forecast for today is 94 degrees, whatever that is in centigrade. And Celsius, there's, where's that wet spot I keep stepping on? The dog, I don't know, one of the dogs peed or something. But anyway, and wind out of the south at 20 miles an hour. <laughs> and when the wind's coming out of the south, it's coming off the Gulf of Mexico, and it is crazy humid. And this, this is where we get heat indexes of like 130. So it's like Saudi Arabia. <laughs> Only more oil, it seems like sometimes. But anyway... Um, so what I did this morning is I got up and I checked my rest wise and I had a nice breakfast. I had Ezekiel cereal with whole milk and then I had a scrambled egg with guacamole and salsa in it. So you see you're getting there your fat, your protein, your your carbs. And then as I was getting ready to run, well, what did I do? I um, drove over to um, another neighborhood pool that I go swim in sometimes and felt the water in. It's at 74, 75 degrees, so it's tolerable, and, I, and it's really overcast today, which makes the humidity seem worse in ways, and it's just ugly outside, and um, because it was still morning and it was overcast, I said, um, oh, and Sunto has updated the uh, Ambit too, so it, you don't need the foot pod to get cadence anymore. The accelerometer inside the watch is now um, sensitive to your arm swing, and so it, um, it'll it do cadence. And that, that's kind of a new techie feature, you know, for the, for the Ambit. And I was like, oh, I want to check this out. So I got kind of motivated. And what I wanted to do today, what was on my training plan, is um, an hour and a half run. I'm going to swim in a little bit. Is an hour and a half run. So I was like, okay, I can run an hour and a half outside. Um, it's warm enough for Kona to go swim, and it's overcast, it's warm, but it's not too hot, So, because if it gets too hot outside, then you don't get a good training session in, and we're still more, Kona, off the couch, buddy, you're wet. God, you shot back right Hey, oh, the floor's probably wet, because that's where you were laying, and the, um, if it gets too hot, then your training just sucks, and it's actually not worth well, you kind of compromise your body. So um, I was like, well, I'm going to run. Again, I don't like being outside in like direct sunlight for too long, and it's overcast, you know. So I was like, okay, well, I think we could probably swing a run this morning. But first, I went over and checked John's pool, and it's, um, it's a 25-meter pool, maybe 25 yards. I forgot. And it has um, no lane ropes, and nobody's in it, and uh, it was 
what did I say, like 74, 75 degrees? And I was like, well, if I wait throughout the day, because it's 84 outside right now, um, that pool is going to keep heating up, you know? So um, if I wait till this afternoon, actually, it'll be even warmer. And um, so I drove over there, yeah, and then drove back. And then I went for my run, and what I did was, um, because I went for a long bike ride yesterday, I knew my legs would be kind of sore. And so I went for half an hour of jogging really easy. And that's when I took Kona with me. And I did this big loop around the neighborhood. And there's two ponds um, that he can jump in. So he jumped in and swam around. And I picked a fight with a couple dogs. I mean, like in his world, it was the best time ever. <laughs> best week ever. <laughs> He's still so, so excited from it. So that was a half hour jog with him. And I think I averaged a... Um, about a 10-minute mile with that. And then I went out for three by 15 intervals where 15, and I tried to keep it relatively level, but in one place it's not possible. And also we have real strong winds today, so it kind of messes with it. Um, uh, and I don't, I don't want to keep it too level because then that's not realistic. You know, most races aren't that flat. So, um, But I did try to keep it... Um, uh, you know, reasonably accurate. Okay, so I averaged at race pace, and then I would take like five minutes in between where I would do a 15-minute interval, and then I would uh, walk at first, and then start jogging, and then after five minutes total, I'd do it again, and then another 15 minutes. And um, it's kind of like a 10K pace, maybe not half marathon, but more like 10K. What would you run? Uh, where you're breathing, you get up about up nice into zone three, you know, not zone four though, but zone three, and then, um, that's a good way to describe it, zone three, high end of zone three, after a while, after it starts settling in, and I did the same workout four days ago, and this time I averaged, on average, eight seconds faster per interval, so my time's improved, it's dropped, and I'm now to a just over seven and a half minute mile on my race pace. Which, thinking as much as I train, as much as I do, that's kind of slow, and that's a real indicator that I need to be doing this to speed up. Um, I just train in so much volume and so much volume, you plateau and you just don't get any faster. So I'm going to do this for a while and try to speed up and um, orient all my activity towards that. So. Um, before I went out and ran, I, I nibbled on a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and I use, um, it's not Ezekiel bread, but it's like Ezekiel bread. I forgot where, Genesis bread. And then that half-hour warm-up with the dog, and then dumped off the dog so that I could have nice intervals without worrying about him. And it was cool, because got, he got his little run in. So, And then... Um, when I was done with my last interval, I still wanted to jog for about five more minutes to make it an hour and a half. I ended up doing like 10.8 miles, I think, something like that. But um, I still wanted to jog for about five minutes. And I finished my last interval right in front of my house. So I went in, filled up a water bottle with some ice and some Hornet juice. And you can use Hornet juice as a recovery drink also. It's not just fuel, but it's got protein in it. So it'll... Um, It'll aid in your muscle recovery. It's got protein and a little bit of carbs. And um, so I filled, like I said, I filled up a water bottle with ice 
and some Hornet juice and water in it, and then jogged out the last like four minutes or so with um, while well, sucking down some Hornet juice and just jogging really, really easy. And then when I got in the house, I uploaded my stuff. That reminds me, I still need to drink some of this stuff. It's good. And then had a small cup of uh, chocolate ice cream. Hold on. Chocolate ice cream. This whole chocolate milk for recovery thing. Mm. Well, there is some truth to it. You know, it's like quickly digestible. It's got sugar and protein, fat in it. It really does kind of heal you up pretty quick. You just can't go crazy with it. Don't take it like it's a religion or something. It's just just a thing, you know. Uh. Oh, man. There we go. Rinse that out. So this is a different approach to training where you do measurable improvements and as long and there are improvements that are indicators of what you would do in a race in your target race. So race pace over a long workout, hour and a half, you know, 45 minutes of race pace, that's what 3 by 15 is, is a strong indicator of what you would do in an Ironman. And um and also, um, easy to moderate pace on a four-hour bike ride is a strong indicator of what you would do in an Ironman. And um, trying to think. Oh, bike intervals. When I did intervals, I'm out there Strava hunting the other night. <laughs> How a 10-minute interval on the bike is uh, is a, a really strong indicator of. Um, your overall power on the bike, as uh, Sammy would say, people just, you can get really, really strong doing the short stuff, but then they mess up on pacing themselves on, uh, on, uh, iron, on iron day. So there was a nice little interview with Angela Nath that said she got, why is she go, so good on the bike? Well, she thinks it's because when she was growing up, she used to lift weights with her dad, and all she wanted to do was her legs. <laughs> And people would comment on how big her quads were. And there's your power right there on the bike. Got to get strong first. But anyway, so it's a different approach to training where you um, um, you do you focus on intervals, but not too many of them, and they're kind of long, sorta, so that they're um, they build you for like kind of like medium distance, you would think. And then you practice nutrition and pacing over long distance. And then you do stuff that's repeatable so that you can compare and make sure that what you're doing makes you faster. And your whole mindset changes. Uh, You live your life not as just an endurance person that just goes out there and just does lots and lots and lots. But instead, your mindset is, um, I'm somebody that does these kind of longer intervals um, really, really well. And I'm paying attention to that. And then on occasion, I do something long to uh, make sure that my pace, my easy pace, is getting faster. And also that my intervals, of course, are getting faster so that um, you're, uh, you're, you know you're getting actually stronger. <clears throat> That's it. I'm going to swim a little bit later. I'm probably going to do 10, 10 minutes three times, also known as 3 by 10 of um, bands. We tie my ankles together and then 
swim and strengthen up my upper body. And that might be it for today. All right, that's it. Out, bang. All right, I think that's it for this training log. <laughs> nice swim this morning. It's a Tuesday morning. And all oh, those intervals were perfect. 10-minute warm-up, just swimming easy. And then uh, 10 minutes of swimming hard. And um, what's interesting is you got 10 minutes to swim hard. That gives you time to mess up and then back off you like mess up by going too hard and then kind of back off a little bit and then then going not hard enough and then zero in on what's what's uh what's appropriate you know and then finishing off the interval so that you're you got some lactic acid buildup right so 10 minutes gives you time to mess up and then fix and you know it's like goldilocks a little bit too hard a little bit too easy and then just right done and I need to pass this guy. I'm on my way to W to the ERK here. And that's, um, you know, a really smart way to, to train when you think about it. <laughs> because in the race, that's what you're constantly doing. You know, going too hard, going a little bit easier, learn, zeroing in, and then going, ah, this is just right. And forgiving yourself and then uh, overcoming your screw-ups constantly, right? And it's fixing your trajectory over and over and over again. And then 10 minutes easy, right? So that's uh, because of the interval, kind of wore you out. And that easy at first can be really easy. It can, uh, when I was on high school swim team, we would walk a 50 to, um, you know, to cool down. And of course, there was a deep end in the pool, so you'd do like a little bit of breaststroke, stuff like that, and get back to the wall. <sighs> that's a real nice way to, to do it. And then I did 10 minutes hard interval again but with the ankle band, the handkerchief tied around my ankle, ankles. And that was perfect. And the reason I didn't start off with that is it's pretty hard. And I figured my first interval, I'm kind of feeling it out a little bit to see what I've got in my shoulders before I, you know, wreck myself. I needed to check myself before I wrecked myself. And uh, so my second interval was uh, self-correcting back and forth, back and forth, and then nailing it, right? 10 minutes is plenty of time to do that. And then um, took off the ankle band and swam 10 minutes easy without it. And wow, holy crap, you could tell. You could tell how much that ankle band changes your swim form for the better. Like, wow, holy crap. <laughs> I was swimming moderate. And I was swimming 100s on a on a 123 or something like that. Just I was I couldn't believe how much it makes you torpedo under the water and get your feet up like they're supposed to be. And then uh, so yeah, after that 10 minutes easy, then another 10 minutes of hard again with the ankle band, and um, finished out uh, with a nice bit of burn in my in my upper body and my shoulders, and had fixed my swim form a little bit. And with the ankle band, um, Endurance Planet with Lucho, he says, every swim practice, swim with ankle bands. And it's just a good reminder to, um, of what your form, where your upper body should be and how much you should be trying to lift your legs. Just a reminder, you know, so you don't forget. If you don't get that reminder, then yeah. All right, so we are two or three weeks out. I forgot now, I'd have to look. From... 
let's see, it's May 17th, and today's, what's today? Hold on, let me do my watch here. The 29th. So, yeah, just just uh, two and a half weeks out from, from Ironman, Texas. And now we're starting to get into the heat training. And we're going to cover that over next episode. Did a little bit of research. I impressed Emily with my skills. Oh, we won a pizza cooking contest last night. Too. <laughs> that was pretty funny. And then uh, at Kai's Cub Scout then, the uh, pack meeting. The um, heat training is a mixture of all kinds of crazy techniques. But I listen to a lot of different podcasts. And you can basically, basically get a PhD in endurance training by listening to enough podcasts. And it's... Uh, <clears throat> One hour of working out in heat and humidity per day is uh, definitely good. Um, it's the equivalent of sitting in, in heat and cooking yourself like, maybe not a sauna, but close. Um, well, maybe, I don't know. For three hours every day and uh, to, get, to get warm, to get hot. So people, I was listening to an interview with a lady that, that did really, really well in Costa Rica in a multi-day challenge, uh, run challenge, like a marathon a day. And she had, after like day two, she had like a 40 or something minute advantage over the competition just because of heat training before the competition got their act together, you know, and, and heat adapted. And she's from the UK. So she's where it's really, really cold. And uh, she came down to Central America and uh, really kicked ass. Hold on, I'm trying to eat an Emerita bar. And... If it's not hot outside this uh, afternoon, I think a guy's running out of gas right in front of me. If it's not hot outside this afternoon, then I'm going to start doing, you know, uh, a trainer ride with uh, the windows and doors closed and very minimal airflow to, um, to build up the heat so that I'm sweating really, really bad. I want to feel hot and, uh, and try to survive that. And it's not so hot that the, that it compromises the workout too much, but it's hot enough that it's definitely, uh, cooking me a little bit. You got to adapt to this kind of stuff. And we're, we're starting, yeah, right about, right about the right amount of time out. So start, you start uh, little bits and then get more and more used to it. And then another thing is wearing extra clothes to, um, to get and uh, to get warm and stay warm, your enemy is uh, is getting cold, right? Because that'll thicken your blood. You want to be thin in your blood, and um, so this morning I swam in a pool that's actually warmer than than the pool I was going to swim in, so that it was uh, uh, so I wasn't exposed to really cold. The other pool is pretty cold, and I didn't want to do that. I'd rather swim in a, in a hot, a warmer pool. This pool wasn't hot, but it was warmer. And then I'm starting to wear um, jackets and stuff at work, even though it's um, it's uh, not cold in the uh, in the building, and you know just on the edge of sweating. And um, yesterday in the house, uh, it started to get pretty warm. And I turned off the fans, and uh, we have ceiling fans in Texas in almost every room. And I turned off the fans and just kind of 
borderline sweating, you know, in my own house <laughs> from the heat. And then uh, last night I slept in a, um, uh, it gets so warm that usually you sleep in, uh, you know, just your underwear. If you're a guy, you sleep in your underwear, no top or anything like that. You just sleep like that. And um, uh, instead I slept uh, underwear, t-shirt and a beanie hat. Uh, to just be on the edge of uncomfortable and um, and try to thicken up, thin out the blood a little bit. Try to heat adapt slowly, slowly, slowly. All right, so that's it. We'll have a lot more of that heat stuff uh, coming up in the next few episodes. Heat's in, heat intervals and heat training intervals and tapering. All right, that's it for this episode. I want everybody to stay safe out there. Stay tuned for the next show. Keep the rubber side down. Out, bang.